Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! No fear, no fear here on Declare Your Independence of me, Ernest Hancock. We're coming from northeastern Washington on the Columbia, Idaho, Canada border. And uh, it's beautiful up here. And I know my friends in Phoenix are, it's 100 billion degrees. Suck to be you. But we're looking forward to going back. And there's a lot of things that are coming up on land, land usage. You, you'll own nothing and here's your happy shot. You know, well, we got a special guest today. I want to make sure you guys get introduced to because we're going to be hearing more about him in the future. James Patrick. Now, James Patrick, big picture. Now, big picture dot watch. You can go get a lot of stuff. There's a crowdsource funding for documentaries. Now, we've talked to James Patrick before on his film Planet Lockdown. Planet Lockdown was he went uh, around the world, Europe and uh, all over the place, and did interviews during the lockdown and got, you know, the the credible tie-wearing bunch of initials after their name, officials and lab coats and stethoscopes and stuff and saying what's what about what. And it was an interesting movie. We met at a Narcopoco a couple of years ago. And by the time that came out, people were already starting to question what? And it was good to have a documentary that uh, described what was happening from the perspective of a lot of people that know. Now, you can go watch that movie at Planet lockdownfilm.com planetlockdownfilm.com and it's uh, all over the place on the internet you'll get it now it's available in 17 languages so if you got friends and uh, family around the world you could send it more than likely than not you know they can watch it in their native language of course now I try and do that we translate in like 40 languages on Freedom's Phoenix and they go that's hey, caveman talk we all speak English dummy you know, that's one thing that you got to come to grips with. A lot of people around the world, their second language is English and do well. So there is kind of a universality to people's being able to communicate and sharing this information. And James Patrick has tapped right into that. Now, what we're going to be focusing on now, uh, his next movie is about the Dutch cattle farmers having their land taken away. This is of interest, certainly with Occupy the land. You know, we're in Arizona just last week. The governor of Arizona came out and said this. No more building permits 
in Maricopa County, which is one of the largest counties in the country and incorporates uh, Phoenix metropolitan area in the desert around. And right where we are going to be building, oh, oh, need not apply if you're going to be using well water. Well, if we're doing a rain catchment system, what if, what if, doesn't matter. This is all about getting you off the land. Well, what James Patrick discovered in his film is that, um, yeah, it's a land thing, which is going to turn into a food thing. We're going to be talking a lot, it, a lot about it. He's now focusing on the struggle faced by the Dutch cattle farmers against their own government that's seeking to force a buyout of half of their land, consisting of a third of the territory of Holland, all under the banner of nitrogen is pollution. You think carbon dioxide was bad? Oh, about that nitrogen. It makes up like three quarters of our atmosphere. So it's just so dumb. But James Patrick is uh, shedding his expertise on this to make sure that we understand. So I want you guys to think about this. Big picture dot watch. As we get into more of these kinds of films and discovery, I'm sure that's going to play into it. Now, he's going uh, in just a week or so, he's going to Ireland. Now, our good friend Barry Kerwin, you may remember being on here. He's in land battle and in their Supreme Court with two Kate men. He's all over it. So he's got a lot of contacts and people that will definitely not only want to watch um, the film about the Dutch farmers, but there's going to be some uh, interviews and such of what's going on in Ireland where they want to, I don't know, euthanize, make fertilizer or whatever, have hundreds of thousands of cattle. This is, this is, this is, it's going to be a food thing. Just saying, it's going to be a food thing. All right, we'll say hello to James Patrick. Good morning, James. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, now this is one thing that I, I, we're going to focus on the Dutch farmer thing, and I, I really want to make sure that we, you know, talk about that. But let's go ahead and talk about your your first indie film that you did, Planet Planet Lockdown. You know, what was your um, confidence that you could go in and we're going to uh, we're going to make a film? I'm going to make a motion picture and we're going to, you know, did you have any training? What were you doing before? What gave you the confidence and inspiration to start this? Um, I had done three short uh, documentaries in high school and college. So I had the, the, the training, you know, and then when all this stuff happened, when they started locking the world down, I was so upset about it. I decided, you know, I, I felt I had to do something because I was going to be thinking about it all the time anyway. <laughs> And uh, so just decided to do a documentary after a couple of months. Okay. Now, this is one thing I want to talk to you, your method. You know, um, you know, at, talking to you over the years and days we've been up visiting here, um, you are very um, – um, you're heavily influenced by people with education, credibility, they represent a government agency, they got the lab coat, they're politicians. So a lot of the people that you interview are accomplished people in various fields. And, um, you know, and then, of course, you go talk to the farmers or the people damaged or something. But uh, you make an effort to make sure that uh, there's some kind of additional credibility given into your work. What is your criteria? What are you looking for? Um. I just look for a straightforward person that that 
is competent and speaks clearly, you know, and, 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 and speaks to the, to the, to their expertise. Like the, the, like the, um, you know, so for example, in planning lockdown, the cover is this guy, Knut Vikowski looking over central park. And I, he was the chief epidemiologist at Rockefeller university for 20 years. So all he did was study curves the flatten the curve narrative. Like he just studied curves mathematically for 20 years and nobody can talk shit to this guy's reputation just cause it's, he was at a premier university doing it all day long. And he just, he had just retired a few years prior. So he was speaking freely and everyone I interviewed was retired, fired independently wealthy. No one was an active professor cause they couldn't speak the truth. So I found people that were just out of the system like a former prime minister, former Pfizer vice president, former, you know, epidemiologist. So anybody that you would talk to that was directly involved and knew and said anything were already gone. They're yeah, like, no one and was in. You're gone. Yeah, no one was in the system because they would have been fired. But they were ex- experts in their field, you know. Well, by the time a planet lockdown came out, I did watch it. It was good. It informed us. We knew what was up. By that time, it was. Um, you know, people had already kind of certainly those in the movement or those that had already said, hell no, I'm not taking it. They already knew a lot of this and you kind of reinforce their bias and something for them to share again, ammunition, friends and family and so on. But what kind of impact did your film or this line you think had on those still in the system? Bunch of legislators I mean, go, oh, hell, James, you know, if you if I'd only got well, gosh, darn it, I'm changing my mind. I mean, you know how I mean, I had a lot of like I had I had people tell me things like, oh, I sent your interview to my parents and right. they listened to it and then they didn't get the shot because of that or, you know, so I think for I just got really credible people and really genuine. I would select them on on how genuine I thought they were, like um, how how honest they f- you could feel how honest they are. Like this guy, Sukhrit Bhakti in Germany, he was like top most published microbiologist in German academic history, but still a real truth teller. And he was like, you know, he about cries in every interview he does. He's, he's so visibly upset and shaken by how wrong what he's seeing is. Now, he, let's talk about that a second. You find these people that know they, they, I don't think they anticipated what they were up against. When we started really focusing on the vaccine thing back in 09, um, it was very clear. This was this was a thing. You know, yeah. this was man, we were going to shove this down and everybody can kind of get your shot and line up and oh by the way, we're not liable, you know. And uh it was so obvious that I think it surprised people that were supportive of the system, but their true goal was do no harm or do good, then they come up against this obvious evil and they had to make a choice. Mm -hmm. What was the criteria that was common amongst all these people that they made the right choice, which reminds me, you know, the right choice, the truth choice. And usually that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Tell the truth and you'll be right. And they, um, saw that their colleagues and their entire industry, the entire health profession, that they were, man, they were Zeke Heil and clicking heels to whatever pharma <laughs> told them. And they weren't. Why? You know, what What, what was the what common was different thread? with them? What was different with them? Yeah. Guess? You know, there was, I, I give you an example. 
I interviewed uh, uh, Mickey Willis when he, after he'd done Plandemic and so on. And one of the things that was interesting, he goes, it was the Christians. It was people of faith. You know, it was the people that answered to a higher authority or something. that, mm-hmm. And that really had an impact on him being liberal from, you know, atheist from Hollywood kind of deal. You know, and he's like, wow, it's only the people of faith. So that was his common thread. What that also ring true with you, or was there something else? Yeah, I think I think people of faith in churches had, did more of a re- resist these things a little more than the than the atheists. Um, I think they're facing other subversion problems with strange Zionist uh, doctrines that mix Christian eschatology with really, uh, I think, unChristian things. Yeah, the, the Christian Zionist Christian movement Zionist thing, movement, yeah. which is very creepy. Um, because it's not Christian, <laughs> but they're told it's Christian. So I get sometimes they get a little resistant when I point that out to them. <laughs> but well, we've done shows on that over the time. We even had weird. a documentary done on how the uh, the seminaries were infiltrated, and you know from the beginning that it's this you know link between Christianity and Zionists take over Israel needs to be defended, and here's your nuke, you know, kind of stuff. <laughs> so I, I've gone down that road. That could be it's very nother, weird stuff. Yeah, it's a whole nother discussion. A whole nother discussion. Yeah, we but don't. But I know to what you're talking there. about. But so, yeah, <laughs> um, the, I guess the common thread I found, I would seek out people that were genuine. So you can just really see the truth come through the camera and I'm holding the main a camera on my shoulder and I'm talking to them like a meter and a half away. Like I'm like six feet from the, the person and I'm interviewing them. They have a B camera that's stable on a tripod and I got the A camera that's moving around their hands. And the, you know, a lot of people bitch and whine that they don't like the camera moving around because they're, but I think it's boring. These it's boring. These still interviews, these antiseptic, <laughs> documentary interviews where the the person's in a black room like like how most documentaries are shot you know where this so i i'm i'm kind of moving around their hands and getting their body language and then the person's really and i'm very informal the way i'm interviewing them so you really feel like you're sitting over across the table from someone. yeah no 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 i think the production quality was great lighting was good good cameras good audio man you and we talked about some of the tech that you're using and so on so yeah no no it's a it's a quality really okay Relaying of the information is not distracted from by crap I don't care about, okay? It's, you know, there's someone there. It's a clear picture. I can understand what they're saying. You got good camera work. You got good cuts. And you're, bless you. And we have a um, uh, a relay of the information. Mm-hmm. Pick the people that you want to make sure that can relay that information. And what... How much bias did you go in on these issues? Because when we come back in the next segment, we'll talk about your transition from this kind of, you know, lie to the masses and the whole freaking planet. Then you get into this nitrogen thing with the Dutch farmer. We'll talk about the transition into that because that's amazing. You know, that was interesting, you know, transition that you would go from this to that. And we'll talk about what the connections are because think about it. Mm -hmm. We got. This vaccination thing, the lockdown, and yeah. all that was going on with that, the forced fraud and manipulation, and deep state of media, oh my God. And then all of a sudden, boom, Dutch farmers. Yeah. What the whiplash, man? What the hell just happened? So before we get into the end of this segment, let's talk about what we're going to talk about on uh, the Nitrogen 2000. And why did you call it Nitrogen 2000? Let's start with that. 
Well, they're they're basically um, since 1990, 18% of the European Union's been declared a nature preserve called Nature 2000 areas. Declared by whom? By the proto EU. The the EU each EU government agreed to kind of create a new nature park designation called Nature 2000. So it sounds like some weird science fiction movie. Well, Nature I mean, 2000. let's go back to that. You know, they they agreed at what, you know, uh, some jetted in summit in, you know, Geneva on some mountain yeah, I mean, these are already, or whatever. These are already protected forests and stuff. I think they redesignated them by the same pan-Western European designation of Natura 2000, Nature 2000. So I just... I, I thought that the name was kind of sci-fi. It sounded like a creepy sci-fi movie from the nineties yeah, or yeah. from the seventies, like Nature Two Thousand. You know. So then, then, then they are declaring that nitrogen. Since two thousand, the EU governments have declared that nitrogen is sort of a harmful element for Man, nature. Man, they're swinging for the fences. Yeah. I know this is amazing. <laughs> so I combine the two, and they so they're so in the Dutch case, they're complaining that the the nitrogen on the Nature Two Thousand areas is too high. And so there, so I call the nature uh, nitrogen two thousand. You know, I, I, before we end this segment, I wanted to bring this up. My personal experience with this is when I first started doing radio, uh, the Phoenix area in uh, two thousand and three was right about the time that uh, a lot of this was starting to come to America, getting our attention. And it started, you know, if you're involved in politics and everything, you remember during the, the end of Clinton administration, they had the biodiversity zones, which is kind yeah. of the same crap. Yeah. And it was biodiversity zones, and then you start getting into conspiratorial well, stuff. Well, that's what they're saying. They call it biodiversity. What they're doing is protecting biodiversity. Yeah, 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 yeah. which meant which taking sounds, it from us. sounds great, right? And it sounds they want to take you know, farmer land, I tell you that, yeah. you know, which is what was happening in the U.S. Uh-huh. So this is how it manifested itself. There was a uh, – on the radio station that I was on uh, – I was at KFNX, 1100 AM, the Liberty Blowtorch, because it was a 50,000 water that went into Mexico. It was amazing. But um, we were on that station. One uh, show on Saturday morning was sponsored by, I think, Kawasaki or Yamaha or something. It was about off-road, and they could see that they were shutting down access to public lands. So they couldn't go shooting. They were shutting, oh, you can't shoot on public lands. You can't take your ATV. You're messing up the dirt. You know, this kind of thing. So what they did is um, these motorcycle companies, ATV, you know, Polaris, that kind of thing, they were sponsoring this one show that was just a Saturday morning show talking about enjoying the outdoors and take your kid and get a motorcycle. And it quickly devolved into how they were being shut down because a lot of these people had a place to call and say, look, man, they're shutting down this fire. They're shutting down this trail. They're shutting down, shutting down, shutting down. And these people weren't just going, you know, off-roading straight across the desert and blazing through swirl cactuses. I mean, they, they were, you know, off-roading on trails that had been there for freaking ever. Yeah. So this is um, – and, of course, they would advocate, you know, responsible – don't, you know, go plowing new trails and, and uh, they'll go shooting at cactus, you know, that kind of thing. But what happened was they started to see – here's where the conspiratorial stuff comes in – these biodiversity zones, all of the Forest Service signs and so on, had little insignias or stickers that were put on the back of the signs, even mm. on some of the highways. What did they say? Well, they were designating what type of biodiversity zone, and, and it was more like a blue helmet, UN, yeah. get the you know jurisdiction of I have and this here 
Bally is ours kind of crap, you know. So if they can put a sticker on it, <laughs> they get some kind of jurisdiction. Or they can – and how it started at the end of the uh, Clinton administration was limiting mining, you know, in the northern strip north of the Grand Canyon and, uh, you know, the Four Corners area of Arizona and uh, with the other uh, – Nevada, Colorado – I mean, uh, Utah, Colorado, and uh, New Mexico. And this was – some people were calling in, and then it started coming on my show. We started doing shows. What it was is they had these biodiversity zones, and they were signing and labeling all this stuff of where mm-hmm. you could and couldn't go. And when you go, oh, who's doing this? Why are they doing this? And then it went into the you know baby Bush administration, and it just keeps growing. Yeah. So I think now we're, they, we're seeing more and more of this. You know? Well, it, it it was a worldwide thing, which a lot of oh you conspiracy nut, I can't believe you're bringing this up. It got, oh you bunch of conspiracy conspiracy until they start bragging about it. Yeah. No, we always wanted to geoengineer your atmosphere. I mean, you know. Yeah, so right. it's always that kind of crap. So this goes along with yeah. what I experienced and the same time frame of what you're talking, Nitrogen 2000. So this is not just Europe. It's not just you. It's worldwide. It's worldwide, yeah. I mean, two years ago, I was in in France. Uh, my girlfriend and I went to the the, uh, the some forest area near Marseille, and like and and then we were walking around for an hour in the forest, and then these cops came around, and they're like, <laughs> oh, you got to leave the forest, uh, risk of forest fire. Uh, it's heightened risk, you know, today. And then we're like, and then they're like, we're only there for a day, right? That area. And then they're like, oh, but you can come back tomorrow and walk if you want. And we're like, what the fuck difference does it make if we're here today or tomorrow? And you're, they're just like, oh, you can't be in the public park Shut up today. And respect my authority. So it's just, we're just seeing this everywhere. You can't. They're restricting people's movements, restricting when when you when you can go to the park, when you can't go to the park. I mean, in COVID, they told everyone, you know, oh, oh, uh, it's a virus, but you can't go outside. You can't. You can't go to the the national parks. I mean, they closed the national parks. Oh no, I got plenty to talk about that. We this, yep, occupy the land and piss off a globalist. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is what's happening. We got a lot of examples of it. We're gonna come back and we'll get right to nitrogen two thousand. Talk about that. To people you talk to and share the information with you that you guys need to know. We'll be right back. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Unfortunately, due to government meddling, the company that partnered with Dash to offer Dash Direct is leaving the crypto business. However, they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. 
Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock. I want to break free. I want to break free. I want to break free from your lies. You're so self-satisfied. I don't need you. Welcome back to Declare Your Independent State. Ernest Hancock of the Free Talk Live Network. Broadcasting from Washington State, northeastern part of and they got the same kind of land problems it's you know you're not allowed the water you're 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 you know you're not glyphosate enough you're doing something too much you got the wrong kind of fish you did the i mean it is getting to where it's almost like they're just testing how far they can go you know of what they can get away with and they oh you conspiracy nut who are they tell you who they are you want to know who they are you know nurse hancock's gonna tell you who they are there are those that just want to be left alone and there are those that just won't leave them alone that's it you know i I look at whatever all the activism the inspiration the movements things that we do on and you you listen to this program over the coming weeks months years you know it's really going to focus on this one thing how i identify who they them those are that won't leave me alone is they're not leaving me alone. I mean, it's really not that complicated. So, what do you make documentaries about? The people and groups that won't leave you alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, how hard is this, you know? So, what I wanted to do is, uh, from the shift that you did from Planet Lockdown, it didn't take long. It was within months, a year or something of the time that you finished with uh, the production of that movie the promotion of it, the release, going through, you know, the aftermath and so on. Boom, you're over on Nitrogen 2000. Tell me about that process, how that happened, how you selected people, you know, the uh, cooperation you got with the farmers, at what stage of all the – because I didn't know that they had been fighting this for a while. This has been going on for a lot longer than I thought. Well, this is 2019, yeah. So in 2019, the Dutch government said – um, this guy, uh, Thierry de Groot, uh, from the D66 party, kind of a lefty party, he, he announced, okay, we want to get rid of half the cattle farmers. And so that's when they had these big protests. Most of those protest videos you see of the Dutch farmers are from the summer of 2019. Okay, wait, 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 wait. He just, some guy goes and says, we need to get rid of the cattle. Boom. The cattle guys came out or did they? Yeah, they just, they, they immediately protested. Immediately. Immediately, yeah. And who was this guy that had the influence that they started immediately protesting? What was his position? Uh, he was a member of parliament and, uh, yeah, a member of a, of, a, of a ruling party. Well, you know, what's interesting oh, – so he's – which party was this? The D66. Which is what? Take Farmer's Land Party? The, uh, I think more of a lefty, greeny party, yeah. Okay, this is my first question. That's mm-hmm. interesting to me. Um mm-hmm. Some congressman gets up there and says, AOC, so we're going to, we're going to, because we want to, and you shouldn't, and always, and we have to, something. Nobody gives a crap. They just ignore what, but what happened, you have some member of parliament coming out saying, oh, we're going to take the cattle, you know, even mentions it, boom, they're front and center and protesting. Yeah. Go, Why? That's interesting. And that then, they so, would, yeah, people react didn't, so quickly. 
Yeah, I mean the media, the mainstream, and the alternative didn't even really report the story. They said, "Oh, it's people protested." I mean, they didn't say why. I, when I was there, even last year, there was a what is that Canadian Rebel News? There was some Rebel News people there when I was there, and they were just asking people where the protests were and didn't even report on what the damn story was. So it's like there's a real incompetence in the mainstream and the alternative in like reporting the actual story and the facts of the case, like. So They're from, just promoting an agenda. Well, everyone wants to get, get a get burning the tractor. From their bosses and overlords. Well, the alternative media just wants to get a burning tractor on camera, and it's like, and the and the, the farmers I talk to, they're like, well, we don't, you know, it's illegal when we block a road, so we don't, you know, we just go do it real quick and then leave. We don't like hang around because they'll arrest us for it. So, you know, like it's hard to get that on camera, and it's not even the real story. The story is the government's trying to take away their land. Over fake reasons, you know? But it's amazing to me that they understood that immediately. You have a guy comes up and says, yeah, we need to do the cattle some, you know, third party, fifth party, sixth party parliament of whatever greeny guy says this. And they were Johnny on the spot, man. Yeah. Boom. Hell no, we're not. So they must have saw something coming. Yeah. I mean, they saw that. That well, I mean, this top minister says who's in the he's in a controlling position announces I want to get rid of half the farmers and nationalize a third of the land. So, so they they protested and then the government backed off after a couple months. They backed off and said, oh, okay, we change, you know, we take it back. And then you know, because 20, they wanted to get the cattle, that was what they first. Well, were yeah, they were arguing cattle are evil, cattle okay. are bad. Don't so they let, just said, screw that, we're just going to take your land. Yeah, yeah, they're like, we want to take your land. Oh, you think that was bad? We'll just skip to the end? <laughs> yeah, right. We'll just skip to the, to the punchline. Wow. Out. Okay, now so. talk about the Netherlands. You know, this is, you know, so we get the geography. You go to, um, well, if you're a member on freemasphoenix.com, you have a custom module when you log in, and it has, you know, a lot of quick links. And one of those is to a world map. You know, you just zoom in, you can really see what's up. And um, matter of fact, I will do that now because describe where the Netherlands and the Holland is, because one of the things a lot of people don't uh, remember the, you know, the Dutch West Indie Company or, you know, mm-hmm. you have the Netherlands. They were, God, still one of the most wealthy uh, countries because of all the commerce and ships that they had, yeah, exactly. the, you know, hundreds of years ago for like ever. They were, you know, if you watch Game of Thrones, they have. The bank, you know, that they're all, you know, beholden to, you know, Lannisters always pay their debt, you know, kind of crap. Well, the bank was hauling. <laughs> I mean, yeah. these guys were, where all the gold was stored. It was, you know, the big fortress of the armies of what, and the influence and intrigue of it was Holland. And the reason was, was because of their shipping, you know, trades and industry, you know, around everything. So now would they have a lot of flat land? Mm-hmm. It's very fertile. It has, you know, it's kind of like, you know, who's very, under attack? Very Ukraine, fertile. Ukraine's a grain yeah. area of bomb cratered, and now we got the Netherlands. They're taking the land, and the, the farmers, they the, want to take over half, the 50-something percent of the land. It's going to be a food thing. I mean, you know, here yeah. we go. So describe the Netherlands and Holland, you know, where it's situated, you know, uh, the geopolitical uh, might that it still has. You know, the wealthy monarchy there, you know, and uh, its capability and how much food it produces for the world. Yeah, so Holland's, they call it the lowlands. It's a very flat, low country, uh, a big chunk of it. I think like 20% was reclaimed from the from the ocean. 
Um, they actually put up dikes and then pumped out the water and reclaimed a lot of land. So it's a very, it's a very fertile area. Uh, things grow very well there. And there, it's the second largest agricultural exporter in the world. They're very efficient farmers. They produce more per hectare than anywhere in the world. So why, why is that? You know, is it just the land or their techniques? They're very hardworking people. I mean, they give a hard work ethic. Uh, I mean, there's winter there. They're very I mean, hard-headed. It's, not, he- it's, not, hard like, headed it's not like South, you know, Southern America where you can uh-huh. grow stuff. You know, like you know, the only time we don't grow things in Arizona is like July and August. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So the Netherlands is um, very northern. It has a relatively, you know, I guess the average short growing season, but it's so fertile, so quickly, so much land with so much um, capability, and they're all about. A lot of dairy. I mean, it's a yeah. lot of you know cattle is yeah, a the, thing. The gouda, the cheese, the uh, the clogs, the cows. You see the cows everywhere. You know, one thing that was interesting. A side note is you're uh, talking to a lot of the farmers and everything. Instead of wearing Crocs, they literally were wearing wooden shoes. Yeah. Why? What, what's up with that? By the way, nobody should be wearing Crocs. They're the stupidest looking shoes I've ever seen. You know, these are a different <laughs> ride-like Crocs. They're not as goofy-looking as the other one, but I can only find these in Mexico. But they are comfortable. But I'm just going to say it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with you, brother. These Crocs are – but they kind of look like that, but they're wood, you the, know. The Crocs look better. They look a lot better. Well, they're why, cheaper, too. But why is that? Why, why do they wear the? Is it just a traditional thing, or is there something? Yeah, would, would farmers have been wearing wood shoes around Europe? You see that in a lot of European Why? What, what, what is the – Allure. They're, they were their great grandfather's shoes or something, or what? I guess because they're durable. Like, you know, before you had plastics and things, you'd have like a wood shoe won't wear down so easily. I mean, if it's all leather, it's more expensive. You know, it's cheaper to make. Yeah, no. It's durable. I, you know, you can drop you can drop things on it and not hurt your feet. But there yeah, you, you have go. to wear it's thick a, socks. It's to, a steel you know. toe shoe. Yeah, you have <laughs> to wear. It's a wood th- toe shoe. <laughs> you have to have thick socks, otherwise it hurts your foot. You know, that was just, yeah, just an aside in your film, I just noticed that. That they were, I'm going, wow, they really do wear those. That's cool. So yeah. what that tells you is there's a lot of tradition in the Netherlands. You know? Yeah, so like you're saying, it's a very big property rights friendly country, the Dutch East India Company. It was really the 1500s, uh, 15, 1600s were their economic heyday um, when their golden age. And they were just booming with tr- international trade. And, and that's what made Holland rich. It's famous for trade, free trade. Uh, for for being quite tolerant, uh, mind your own business type free free market country. So now to see their property rights attacked so aggressively is shocking. It's it's unprecedented, and it's really a warning shot across the bow that Europe is doomed. I mean that that if if that if that crap can be them. pulled in Holland, like yeah. you know, because other countries have had worse property rights crimes than. Than, than done in Holland. Holland property has been really respected, and so to have to have the government announce they want to steal a third of the country, basically they're announcing they want to nationalize a third of the country, half the farmers' land, the seventy percent of Holland's owned by small cow farmers, so they're trying to nationalize half of that, and so they're they're lowering the value by announcing they want to get rid of it, and get rid of the farmers, and then it's that part so of it's the not, top left, yeah. It's, so then, it's not. So it's over here. That's it, yeah. Okay, so, so if you know, just so, to, for those that are geographically challenged, um, you have uh, the, the Straits of Dover, you know, the Cliffs of Dover, and the uh, you cross the English Channel over into France, and right there, if you went northeast along the coast, 
you know, I don't know, a hundred, couple hundred miles, boom, you're Amsterdam. I mean, you're in Holland area. So it's really um, on the same latitude, you know, as like London. You know, if you go east of London, boom, you hit the coast in Holland. So this is Amsterdam. What do they call it? They call it Holland. They call it Amsterdam. They call the it Netherlands. Netherlands. They the call Netherlands. So Netherlands is the kingdom of or something like that, because we're talking about um, it's also a monarchy, is it not? Yeah. So how influential is the family? They're pretty powerful. They're they're not quite as powerful as the British royal family, but they're the second most powerful monarchy in Europe. Yeah, it's sure. amazing. We even still got monarchy. What role do they play? Are they just the big giant checkbook of the? Uh, the jackboot of we're gonna. I mean, if they were, to- well, I'd, I'd rather have monarchy than than democracy in the sense that, like these, it'll you know, in the monarchical period, there wasn't so many property rights abuses as there as there has been. There's only the, one guy you got to go after. Yeah, and you know who's the asshole. If he's screwing you, you can you can you can advocate regicide, killing the king if he abuses the people. You know, and I like, you know, that was a tradition before. Whereas, like now, we're they since the French Revolution, they pushed the modern state. And All they right. attack the monarchy, aristocracy, and church, the old world order, and they give us this new world order, this modern state, and then we don't, and then they puppet who runs it, exactly. and we can have no one to blame. They're, they're, they're all they, insulated. Yeah, they're insulated. They, and have layers. They, they just exchange the caretaker puppets in the front of it, and then we just their popularity ratings go up and down each time, and then they they kind of insulate against the real bad guys. Really controlling things. So, are you, yeah, you've done some. You're an economist. You do some Austrian economic. Kind yeah. Of, are you familiar with Hans uh, Hermann Hoppe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm getting that partially from his. Work. Um. Well, yeah. He spoke at one of our freedom summits in Phoenix, and uh, the point that he made that year. God, when was that? It was like mid 2000s. The, mo- the monarchy, democracy. Exactly. He goes. You're better off with the monarchy. At least they want to. You know, be more wealthy. I mean, they want to have commerce. They're wanting to, yeah. You know, it's it. They have a self interest in you know not pissing the people off too much and doing well. They, yeah, they, I think his not to not to praise monarchy, but but just that the the idea is if they consider the the realm their property, they don't want to depreciate it. They don't want to destroy the capital value of it. Whereas a temporary caretaker will tend to loot as much as possible in his term until the next jerk is there. Well, they're just using whatever ism, you know, capitalism, corporatism, fascism, communism, whatever ism, socialism. They're just doing an ism to create a one world guy in charge. <laughs> and we rule you and we're aliens yeah. from Alpha and whatever the hell. God, knows, nothing will surprise me anymore. But the, um, but it's amazing. You look at Europe and the whole size of the Netherlands is about the size of God, I don't know what, Connecticut or freaking Vermont. I mean, it's not very big. No, it's not. You know, but it's so enormously productive in making food. So that's, that for that's, them to attack that is interesting to me. Yeah, because it's, it's like they're taking offline or they're trying to take offline the main, the most efficient farmers in the world. So, And why? I mean, is well, there a reason they just. That, that they, begs the question, yeah. Okay. I'm asking it. What was your, you know, the, your personal opinion after doing all of this uh, research and interviews of these guys? And one of the, yeah, go answer that question first. I got a bunch. Well, one other clue is the, is uh, this, there was a group that put out a uh, more left-leaning research group 
um, put out a report in September 2022 called uh, Food Barons 2020, researching the food, uh, what? food Barons 2020, a market analysis of the food industry. Sure. And they noticed that like big private asset <laughs> firms like BlackRock and Vanguard have been heavily buying into the agriculture sector Shocking. across all the, the different sectors. So they... So basically in 2020 and 2021, while we had the lockdowns, the big, big money interests of the world were buying, controlling shares across the agriculture sector. So they're, they were weakening the agriculture sector by locking them down and then buying into them. And then, and then this report was saying they're implementing more high tech solutions like blockchain, robotics. And they're saying the farmer of the future will basically be some fat Joe who will push buttons. And then robots will spray the fertilizer, spray the seeds, spray the. So it's going the, to be in pasta cricket burger. The uh, the glyphosate, and then we'll have like this mechanized agriculture. So we see like these shifts in the industry, and 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 changing ownership, and then at the same time they're also pushing some. Po- There's this policy pushed in Holland to take offline a lot of the the smaller farmers. So from a fifty thousand foot. Thank, view it perspective it looks like maybe a restructuring of the industry you know to what end though i mean are they do they care about humanity they want to save us no. you know we're gonna you know that that they're because if you can take over all of the capability of individuals being able to produce food for themselves their friends their family their neighbors their community their state their country whatever you know um and you control the means of production I mean, this is, that's like, you know, the Marxist communist manifesto. I mean, you know, it, it, this is, is there an ideology that these guys are just, uh, we rule you ideology, the elite of you're too dumb to do it yourself. We're going to make sure you're dumb or I, you know, I, I have to understand what the, the, the binding of this cartel is. I mean, why, why are they doing this? It's to, for control power. I mean, we discussed this last night. I remember Peter saying, you know, of course, it's the money. It's about the money. And I'm going, yeah, the money is really kind of um, the conduit to the control, to the power. Mm. It's like a religion. You know, I remember yeah. I had uh, 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 Mel Crowell on uh, the show, and she's a Hollywood actress that went deep into the recesses of, you know, bad guys. And the uh-huh. main thing we drilled down on, and she came up with this. It's a religion. These guys are evil. You know, they want their, you know, all kinds of stripes on their sleeve, the front seat in hell kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I I don't know any other way to, to they sold their soul to the devil or to a group or they really believe in the power of control or just want it or, you know, do you think they legitimately, if we don't kill off a whole bunch of humans, you know, Mother <laughs> Gaia is going to die and. You know, we got to save the planet and humans be bad. Not us, but you guys. You know, the, you know, the cannon yeah. fodder. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all you guys. You commit suicide. We're okay. We'll be in charge. We'll take care of it. You know? Yeah. So I'm wondering, what's the mentality of these people? I mean, what's the commonality? What's really behind this agenda? I think that, that humanity are kind of trash and they, they're, they're not and that they need to get rid of us. And I mean, it's, it's really weird to see. How the last twenty years or more they've really pushed these elites have pushed their mentality down onto the population is and and get the get the peasants 
to to adopt their their attitude that they're that they're trash. So they'll get they'll make people they'll they'll make them believe it through these modern myths of like carbon dioxide or. But you see you'll see a, a carbon climate change protest of college students and young young you know birthing age girls of like twenty years old holding up a sign saying I will not have a kid because of the ozone layer or something. And that, that I'm pollution, and I shouldn't even wow. have a livelihood. So they're they're brainwashing these these young people into believing that they're trash, they're pollution, and they shouldn't procreate. So it's like they're they're pushing their sick mentality and anti-human attitude onto people through these weird kind of quasi-religious belief systems. Yeah, it seems um... these nihilist, like anti-human, anti-hope. Anti-abundance. They definitely are against the go forth and multiply idea. You know, this is. Um, it's a bleak future there. Bleak. They're... You know, I this there's something weird, something wicked. This way is here, man. I mean, you know, this is this. A lot of times, I remember it was um, when was it? it was during the Ron Paul Revolution years in oh seven oh eight. We had uh, there was one Banksy logo that was adopted. You know him throwing the bouquet of flowers, and it had the Levolution logo, and it said, "We know the truth." Mm-hmm. And and if, truth, what truth? How do you know the truth? What's the truth? And truth is not you know it's a subjective. Yeah, blah, it doesn't blah, blah, exist. Blah blah blah. blah, blah, blah yeah. Right, and and then the, at the same time, evil. They, the same. You know, rhetoric for the word evil. Well, what's evil? How do you know what's evil? You know, three-year-olds can consent. I mean, you know, this kind of, you know, (laughs) crap. And you're going, wow, it's an attack on truth. On truth. It's an attack on um, uh, evil. I mean, the definition of it. I mean, I'm just going, who are these people? Did you discover that? You know, did the, the Dutch farmers, the uh, the physicians and doctors and scientists and researchers you did in your planet lockdown, mm-hmm. they had to have some kind of an opinion or reference to what the hell are they up against? Well, I think you got to ask the question like an investigator, like who has the the ability to pull off a scheme like this? It's not just even someone like Gates isn't even big enough to do that. You know, if you look at somebody they, like Soros and all this stuff, Klaus uh-huh. Schwab, if you know their name, it ain't them, okay? Now, there's something deeper. You know, these are just the, the insulation front runners allowed. I mean, they may, you know, uh, you know, share baby hearts with some of the, you know, upper whatever horn wear. Share baby hearts. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, this this is a, I'm telling you, man, these guys, the more evil they are, the more power they think. It's like a religion. That's what Mel Crow, you know, our discussion, you know, she's talking about her experiences in Hollywood and so on. And the skip to the end, it was her father is in a retirement community in Florida. She goes down there with some 90-year-old ex-military um, uh, intelligence guy. He goes, uh-huh. oh, you're from Hollywood, huh? Well, you want to know what's really going on? Let me tell you what's really going on. Yeah, and the, that's what centered down. The, oh, the military guy said that to her? Yeah, it was some military intelligence, CI, whatever the heck. And retired guy in Florida goes, oh, your your daughter's an actress? Well, uh, I'll explain it to her, okay? And then she went off and started, she's like, whoa. And that's what sent her down the path of being, you know, a content creator and, you know, asking these questions. And I was exposed to her by um, Sam Tripoli that has a show. And he was like, Ernie, you got to talk to her, man. You know, you'll get learnified. And I'm going, damn. So a lot of us as political activists, we've been working in this area of exposing what's going on. 
why it's bad, you know, yeah. what some great thinker or founder said about this, about that, what the Bill of Rights and why we, you know, broke from, you know, they, them, those, and, you know, the crown of whatever and so on. But you got to, what is their driving motivation? And this has been going on for a long time. And you can, you know, it's like, it's like, Count drags like vampires, but then they got their familiars that walk around during the daytime, and you know their names. <laughs> but yeah. who are the real vampires, the blood-sucking whatever? I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of truth in history that you just got to tell the story. Uh, we're going to tell more of the story with James Patrick. James Patrick, during the break, go check go check out the big picture, bigpicture.watch bigpicture.watch and see what you can do to help and what might be his next film. More on the Dutch Farmers when we come back. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Americans, let us make them remember. We are not afraid! Unafeared, 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 unafeared. No fear here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock of the Free Talk Live network. You know, that was one thing. When I first started doing radio in 03, uh, you know, declare your independence with Ernest Hancock. And they go, what? I got to, I want to declare my independence, but I got to declare my independence with you. And I'm going, good point. Very, thank you for bringing that up. That was very good. You, you are learning. Of course, you declare your own independence on your own, all by yourself. You go like, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. You're ready. This is how you do it. I declare my independence. See how easy it was? I didn't even need a government form. <laughs> I mean, it's a state of mind. It's a way of thinking. And of this whole conversation and um, uh, talking about what's going on in the Netherlands and taking the Dutch farmers' land, for them to early on immediately recognize what was going on and start resisting early on, that is of interest. If I knew what that secret sauce was and how we could, you know, get that people, oh, hell no, right off on the bat and uh, mass protesting and tractors in the streets and so on, I, you know, I'd, I'd want to know that. What do you think it was? Were they already keen to this with the European Union stuff coming and the limits and you got us and can'ts? And they go, yeah, we know what they're going to do. And then when they started saying they're going to do it, they sprung in the action. And how organized are the farmers and ranchers and such in uh, Holland? Are they all one party, one group, one mind? They got a leader. How's that work? Um, well, in response to that, to that 
announcement of Tierra de Groden 2019. They, there was a far, farmer's party formed called BBB. And then, um, yes, two groups f- formed. One was called Agritzi and another was Farmer's Defense Force. So one was farmers' defense force was more is more hardline that there's this is total nonsense what the government is saying hardline I like hardline. the other group is a little more middle of the road saying well we acknowledge nitrogen might be a problem maybe we did go a little too far but like your your policies are too much yeah they were talking about nitrogen of the urine of the cows and then how it's going to affect on the other side of the mountain thing or something. I mean, it was just weird stuff. We're talking with James Patrick. James Patrick uh, is a documentary filmmaker. He His first one was Planet Lockdown, which was on the lockdown and the pandemic and stuff. But um, uh, talked to a lot of experienced and uh, accredited individuals that had an opinion that he shared with the world. But then the Dutch farmer thing you know, came up and he just got to go talk to some Dutch farmers and it's nitrogen 2000 nitrogen 2000 is the name of the movie nitrogen 2000, the Dutch farmers struggle. Now you can find his stuff over on big picture dot watch, which is also, you know, a a crowdsource funding to keep James Patrick and in Cheerios or whatever to go keep doing this, you know, yeah, I wouldn't recommend Cheerios, but you know, <laughs> but uh, to be able to make these kinds of films. And yeah. w- one thing that I'm interested in, though, is uh, when you made this transition to this subject, what sp- sparked it? What what happened? What did, what- well, I, I I had a five minute section in Planet Lockdown on how kids were ha- ha- harmed by the whole that 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 was the sickest thing as as far as the COVID measures was the, how they abused children and. And really psychologically terrorized and tormented and manipulated and brainwashed children to be in a constant state of fear and, and how much damage that was obviously going to wreak on their psyches. So I, I did, there was a great five minute section on that. Um, you can find, you can find just that little section on, on Rumble and stuff called, you know, what happened to our, what is this doing to our children? And then so I, I decided, uh, I saw Layla Sentner speak in, in Arcapuco and was like, hey, you know, maybe a whole film just focusing on the kids would be cool. And then, um, yeah, I, I, I talked to her about it and we, and, uh, and kind of started doing that film. Now that's sort of broadening a little bit, um, to be, how school is social engineering. I'm going to break it into three episodes. School is social engineering. How the COVID measures like ratcheted up this psychological conditioning of children. And then a third final episode on how the tranny issue is, is just screwing them up irrecoverably. Yeah, that is, you know, my thought process is um, that which cannot continue won't. It just can't. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just this is it was stupid the from the thing beginning. Is, is the weirdest thing ever. The, the what? The transsexual bonanza. Yeah, you, I'm right going. Now. How would I mean? They're how can they it, how can they make kids believe that something that's so off is acceptable and that and normalizing <sighs> of psychosis when when it's like very plain and obvious. I walk around the street, see tranny kids. They all look hopelessly depressed and screwed up. None of them look healthy. They yeah, look, they look. They got these grimaces uh, in their face. They're angry. They've been through a sort of Marxist boot camp of like hating on their own genitals. I mean, it's the creepiest damn thing I've ever seen. 
So, I, so it's not going to continue, but it was a yeah, – the lasting ratcheting well, impact was what? I mean, you know, they, they're getting them to, you know, sterilize themselves so they don't procreate, you know, to to hate human beings as carbon-emitting, you know, scum. I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering the long-term benefit of them doing this with distraction from something else, you know, taking your land. I mean, you know, there, there's some benefit, you know, to they, them, those for doing this. I just can't imagine what it is other than they get their numbers or something. What? Well, they're, I think having studied sort of, I studied a little bit of mind control and, and social engineering conditioning. And really the, the main thing to control someone is to, to break their identity, break their sense of, of self. So, Family, church, community. They yeah, so those to- are all already trash, right? The, the, the wrecking ball has already <laughs> completely swung through those institutions. Well, so you, now you're, they- you're showing me this graph. You know, explain that to the audience. So, see, so yeah, just to finish the idea. So the the last, the, the even more basic than those institutions are like someone's own understanding or, or someone's own identity of their own sexuality of a man as a man or a woman. So if you can confuse that and get inside the person's psyche, uh, then you really have compromised and destroyed the individual to the point that they don't even know who they are. And that's the kind of defining quality of all this training stuff is that they're confusing the, the living hell out of these, out of people. So they don't even know whether their genitals are their other right ones. And if if you get someone in a state like that, I mean, they're completely a gimp for whatever you want to throw at them. They will not have the mental patience or fortitude to critically analyze any any other significant idea in the world. I mean, if they're so screwed up, they can't. They don't even know who, who what their own gender is, what their own sexuality is. I went through when this first really started getting going. You know, we do a lot of shows on uh, culture, and you could see how first they they infiltrate any kind of media, certainly to young people. And it started with comic books. And one of my co-hosts that I do a show with, Dr. Frank Tamburi, he was, you know, really sensitive to this because he's a big comic book guy, pop culture. Um, He's got, you know, all the Star Wars posters signed by the actor kind of guy. You know, he'll send it off to Australia to get a signature of something, you know. And um, so he's a big movie buff, and he could see the infiltration. They were coming in to make, you know, Batman and Robin. Robin's now gay, you know. <laughs> you know, Spider-Man's black. You know, Superman's turning a woman. Captain Marvel's a woman. Uh, you have, uh, you know, it was, you know, uh, oh, this is the one that really, I mean, damn. DC Comics had, you know, and here it comes, because it starts with the comic books, and you start seeing these new you know, movie releases is that uh, Superman was captured and put in a kryptonite cell of whatever the hell and was being raped every day. The straight white man Sorry. from Justice American Way or rape Superman. And Sorry, Batman's got to go save him. Sorry, Superman was getting raped? Superman. Daily raped. In the comic book. Got, got, get that some bitch. I mean, you know, I'm like, wow, that's that bad? Then they change it to truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. That's the new slogan, okay? Mm-hmm. A better tomorrow. Well, there was a really good documentary recently by Epoch Times on the on the uh, gender issue. And they, they talked to, I think, four or five 
you know, recovering lunatics, <laughs> recovering like traumatized people. And, yeah. and there's these girls and they're like, Oh, you know, only after I got deprogrammed from this, this, this ideal gender ideology stuff. Yeah. It's very cult like, like, um, actually I have a telegram channel, uh, big picture of James Patrick. I think it's just at Planet Lockdown, but they have, um, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll repost it again today. There's a great college student film from the late nineties called how to be a cult leader. If you go in, <laughs> if you go on YouTube, you can find it too. How to be a cult leader. It's like 10 minutes and it really sums up all the techniques that cults use and you'll see, start to notice them in all these things like, you know, love bomb people, isolate them from their family, feed them low te- low protein food. Um, God, this retarded ecstatic dance thing, you know, and these, all these hippies do this ecstatic dance crap. It's like, it's a, the, 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 the mindless, mindless childlike movements that put the person regressed into childhood. Oh, See, so this unthinking state of receptivity, you know? You know, that rings a bell when you said the protein thing, low protein. Yeah, the feeding, taking away the meat in the mm-hmm. diet and feeding people vegan. Yeah. I mean, there's some health. There's there's something to say for a high vegetable diet, you know. You need some animal fat. I mean, you know, I mean, for the brain that we have, it's thirty percent of our calories. That's what gave us that we're not sitting around like gorillas, you know, chomping all the time on stuff. I mean, you know, we need to have you know dense caloric intake just to power our brain. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a thing. There there was a uh, TV show uh, in the. It's about the future. It's kind of like idiocracy, you know, but he, in the seventies, uh, actor John Saxon, you know, uh, he was kind of like your Russell Crowe now or something back in the seventies. And he was in a television series that was about, uh, he was suspended animation a couple hundred years later. He comes back and yada, yada. Well, there was this one matriarchal society that, you know, in the valley of whatever the women ruled and how they did it, you know, mm-hmm. is they had, you know, some chemical, you know, they keep them, you know, there are, there are plow horses, you know, they do what we want kind of deal. And the focus was they ate gruel. Their food source was this, um, you know, I don't know, some gruel that they had and they weren't allowed protein. You know, this was the one thing that was uh, back in the seventies are thinking this way, that if you have this kind of diet, but where did that come from? It's what they were doing in the concentration camps. It's what they were doing in a lot of these totalitarian governments is that if you took animal protein out and you gave them the bugs or I don't know where the heck they were going to be eating, that, you know, the grain gruel oatmeal of something, yeah, you can keep them alive, you know, but they're, they're not going to have the type of mental fortitude and energy to resist. Yeah. And they didn't want them to be able to resist. Yeah. So this is – a tactic. This is a you know, science. Based. They're just throwing everything at the wall. Yeah. You know, we got to do the uh, uh, God. What was the impossible meat? I mean, you know, pot, impossible you know, burger. Yeah, yeah, impossible burger. Impossible. I'm going to eat it. But the you know think you know you would think I would try. I've tried anything once, twice if I like it. You know, kind of thing. And I just, I just. You know, I don't even. I don't even have any the gumption to even experiment with their lab grown processed out of a stainless steel vat of that crap you know i it's just it's just on its face dumb for the same reason i choose not to inject myself with their crap you know i i'm just like you know are you anti-vaccine yeah pretty much 
You know what I mean? A lot of people will say, well, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm just anti uh, uh, this one or even for now. Of course, we focused on being we did the Love Bus Liberty Tour around the country for last few years. It was very focused on mandates. You know, the fact that they would make you take this stuff, make you eat this, deny you access to that kind of thing. It's the force. You got to find the gun in the room. Where's the force? Well, this whole transition in the last several years has been all about force. And if they, but they started, they prepped it with people being of the mind that you should force people. This is better for humanity if, and you got to force them to what? Well, I voluntarily sterilize myself because I love humanity. Because <laughs> I love the planet, right? And we and we got to save the planet and sterilize everybody. And I'm just, this is, it, it's going to progress to that. I mean, you can see it coming. So just like the Dutch farmers, they're going, oh, you want to take, okay, I see where this is going. Hell no. And we're going to have to have that planet awareness of what you discovered in your film, Nitrogen 2000, you know, the Dutch farmer struggle is um, that we realize we're under attack. There is a conscious laser focus on something. Is it the middle class? Is it the capability of the individual, of cultures? And, And they see, you know, the power is against them is what? Faith in God? Prayer? You know, community, going to church? You know, homeschooling your children, something is, they, they're attacking, like, it's like all of that. It's a full spectrum dominance coming after your freaking not allowed thing. Yeah. You know, so give your opinion on that. What can we expect in the future? Cause you're, you're going to Ireland. You're going to be talking about, we hooked you up with some people we know there that while you're doing yeah. a presentation, tell me about what you're doing in Ireland. Yeah. So they've announced in Ireland they want to get rid of 20% of their cattle. And then when the, envir- when the environmental minister was asked, uh, is he going to, are they, are they going to look at nationalizing the land after they kill their cows? And then he said, oh, we won't rule that out. So it's, it looks like the exact same policy. They're saying it's carbon dioxide, it's nitrogen is the rationale. And so it, it's just. Okay, carbon dioxide makes up a fraction of 1% of nothing of the atmosphere. I'm shocked it's that low, to be honest. You know, I was thinking mm-hmm. it'd be, you know, the plants are like, humans make a little bit more carbon dioxide? Thank you. Well, I mean, you know, some, but, the, and our uh, man-made is so infantile, I'm, I'm not well, even, but is- our atmosphere is three-quarters nitrogen. I mean, we're breathing it. I mean, I'm a nitrogen sucking in and out. And well, yeah, we're made of life is on Earth is made of carbon dioxide. We're carbon-based life forms. So they, yeah, so you should not kill that, yourself. Yeah, they're calling it pollution. <laughs> then, then logically, we're pollution. We should be getting rid of. So, but then there are in the, in the climate change argument. They're really arguing that 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 the greenhouse effect will cause sort of if we increase these greenhouse gases, we'll see this heated planet. Now that didn't happen, so then they say climate change. But but just like digging into the oh, was, I, ice age when I was a kid in the seventies, we were all going to freeze to death. Yeah, that keeps changing. But so they were saying that, but they're being deceptive about it because ninety five percent of the if you look at the top the greenhouse gases, the biggest one is water vapor, and that makes up ninety five percent of the greenhouse effect. So most of the time when they 
they show these graphs of the of the greenhouse gases. They just omit water vapor, which is the number one greenhouse gas. Then the remaining five percent is like carbon dioxide. I think is like three, and then there's like methane and a few other trace ones. So of the carbon dioxide component, men's contrib- contribution to that is very is like less than five percent. So it's like a few percentage points of of a few percentage points, which is like a fraction of a percent of the greenhouse effect. Man's contribution to the overall greenhouse effect is like fractions of a percent. So Yeah, we were looking it up at lunch what, yesterday or day before, and it was like point nothing percent, though whatever, you know. Now you're talking about when they say of the greenhouse gases, it's yeah. even a percent or two or three or whatever. Yeah. But of the atmosphere, it's like nothing. You know, I was shocked it was that low. I, I didn't, and that we would, it's, it's a lie. This whole thing is a lie. It's a total lie, yeah. And the, the doctor, the scientist and, you know, some of the officials that you were talking to, um, there are a couple of them kind of uh, stuck out in Holland. One was a member of parliament that in his Dutch mansion windmill kind of standing there how, you know, everybody should not and you can't. We're going to take and proud of it and put me on on the money or something. I mean, this guy was, man, he was slinging it, you know. And uh, then you had the uh, one of the uh, experts that you had on. Um, what was the argument that you think the best argument both sides had? I mean, I, I, I was not – it was not convincing. You know, you, you got – I mean, I'm – Give you props, man. You interviewed the head guy of wants to tell you what the what, what's what and the opposition to that. But the is there anything convincing that they say any of their argument? Well, I mean, it may have been a bias, you know, in the film that you well you were using their own propaganda stuff. Them coming out in the films and the shorts and the clips that they were doing was just so foolish. What is their best argument? The government's best argument. Well, the advocates for taking the land and nitrogen of whatever, you know, give, yeah, so give me their best argument. They're arguing, they're arguing that that on the Nature 2000 areas, they want to protect biodiversity. So the Nature 2000 areas, these nature park designations in the EU, and in most countries, they're concentrated in these big forest areas, like the Black Forest in Germany. But Holland's so developed, 500 years ago, they cut down all the trees, and it's just farms. So they had to just arbitrarily designate 100 and... I think it's 180 sites, but in a, 180 like random fields and sand dunes and shit, they they just declared them nature area, and they're like pri- people's private property. So that dramatically restricts them. And then I kept a, hearing sand dunes a lot. There's a lot of sand dunes in Amsterdam. Yeah, in, in the north uh, western part of of Holland, there's we a gotta lot save of sand. the sand dunes. Yeah, there's a lot of sand dunes uh, on the coastal part. Oh, okay, okay. So they're arguing that. On these Nature 2000 areas where there's not many trees because they were cut down to develop it centuries ago, they're saying, well, we don't want forests growing back. We, In the name of, quote, biodiversity, they use these taglines a lot, biodiversity, they want to protect 10 small plants like orchids that don't grow very high. So out of 150 common plants in Holland, they arbitrarily selected 10 or 12 that are low nitrogen consuming that only grow up to like a, a foot high. And they just arbitrarily designate those of common non-endangered plants. They they just they just cherry picked and want. 
And then they say, okay, well, if uh, if the land gets too much nitrogen, i.e. fertilizer, like a nettle, which will grow one meter high, will give shade to an orchid, and therefore they say damaged biodiversity. But they're arbitrarily selecting which plants they want. So it's like they're basically gardening. They're basically saying we want to garden little plants on these nature-designated areas, arbitrarily little ones, not bigger ones. Whereas like most people think, if okay, if you if you rewilded nature, you didn't disturb it, you let it go back to the wild bigger plants and even trees would grow back and, and, and you get a forest again eventually. But they're arbitrarily saying, no, we don't want a forest. We don't want rewilding. We want just little plants. So it's completely arbitrary. And that's that's and therefore we want to bankrupt half Keeping the mind lights on here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock. We're finishing our conversation up with James Patrick. He's a filmmaker who just finished a documentary, Nitrogen 2000, The Dutch Farmer's Struggle. And it's just a lot is being learned from this conversation. Let's continue. And therefore, we want to bankrupt half of our farmers? And then they came yeah, out. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. And then they came out with all these kooky computer models that say, well, if a cow craps over here, it can precipitate kilometers in the air and then somehow go back down onto a nature 2000 area. And then those damn nettles will grow up too high. And if, it, you know, if a dog pisses over here, the piss will magically go three kilometers over and fertilize this land over there. And then the nettles will grow up on this and they give those orchid shade. And therefore we need to bankrupt the, the, the Dutch farmers. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 ugh. The absurdity of their arguments were such that did you cherry pick or is this like the common, you know, the clips that they're using, the videos, the educational, Those are like the, the promo PSA. videos. Yeah. So just to explain a little bit. So there's six NGOs that are really pushing the policy ah, and then and they're, it looks like they're controlled by some bigger financial interests and then they get the government to pay for the budget of the NGOs and then they get the government to pay for 25, the people ultimately, both of these things, to pay for a 25 billion euro fund to buy out the farmer's land. And then when the, the NGOs, you know, advocate the policy, write the policy, give the talking points to the politicians to read. So they get the whole thing paid for by the, by the people that the farmers are paying taxes to have their own land stolen from them. They're paying into the fund that robs their own land. And then once their land is, is forcefully purchased, they'll then, the NGOs then become the custodians of the land. And in many cases, put cows back on the land to manage it. So, it looks like a very clever scheme by some oligarchs to basically... And the oligarchs the monarchy? Are they going to eventually get and entrust its all your serfs and it's ours again? Well, I looked up the the directors of the NGOs, and they, two of them were former Chevron executives, which kind of sounds like Rockefeller Oil. And then there was three were big tech employees like Google, Colin, Google Europe. That's ultimately BlackRock. Some say that's Rothschild. And then, and then, there was one local Dutch banking family, like one guy who worked at a a banking family uh, used to work at a foundation from a Dutch banking family. So it looks like these international banking class type people. Those are the only ones with Sounds the like they, them, those, me. Well, they're the ones <laughs> they're who not have leaving the, us alone. the power to exert a policy through NGOs, government, media. Wow. This is, you know, I, 
you got time to go at least another. We go all day. This is this is interesting. We haven't even yeah. got to the the goody goody yet. I get we'll, twenty more minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll be right back with James Patrick. You know, and and the film is Nitrogen Two Thousand: The Dutch Farmers Struggle. He's also had the Planet Lockdown, and for his next film, the next film, the film after that, and some of the films. And we're friends with one of the producers here, and uh, on the films, and it's Big Picture Dot Watch. You know, you want to see this kind of stuff happening. You know, we got we just this last weekend we went and saw uh, a lot of friends up here, and Donna and I went. And we saw Sound of Freedom, and it's just one of those kind of movements and films, uh, information that needs to get out in individuals, crowdsourcing, people buying tickets, paying it forward, wanting to make sure it's up to us. It's, It's up to us. You have to do it in your own community. I mean, you, it's up to you to take care of, of you, your family, your community. You know, I, it's up to you. Yeah, somebody else isn't going to do it for you, you know, and, and, and James Patrick can only do so much on his own. I mean, it's, it's, you got to, and how he did, uh, Planet Lockdown. I remember when he was making it, he was releasing individual interviews and portions of it to help bring awareness and fund the completion of the film. I mean, this is how it's going to be because corporations and Disney ain't doing it. Okay. I'm just telling you, and it's going to be up to you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock. You, you can do it on your own. You can just go, I declare my independence. You don't even need a government form. Well, we're talking. We're continuing the conversation. We're going to go a little longer with James Patrick. James Patrick, um, you can go check out his work at bigpicture.watch and also donate to keep these kinds of films uh, coming because he did Planet Lockdown, which is on the uh, lockdown of the pandemic, you know, and the, the scamdemic, the whatever-demic, it, it, and they're not stopping. I mean, it's, they're going to come up with another. They already got another one planned. And, and that. And I tell you what was interesting, as, as adamant as they were about vaccines, vaccination, we're all going to die – as soon as the conflict in Ukraine happened, man, they pivoted in like a day. It was like, boom, that's not a problem anymore. Well, we've got to have, got more, we're shifting from your mask to putting maybe a day we'll have a mask with a Ukraine flag on it. And then we just do away with the mask. You just have the Ukraine, you know, tattooed flag on your forehead. I mean, yeah, right, right. Yeah, like right within a week. They I, had to, it was amazing. I'm going, yeah, yeah. wow, They're this like, is. Shut um, Operation One, initiate Operation Two. You know, it's yeah. Like, I, it, there was. Did you you notice that too? Yeah, it was within three days. They're like, okay, COVID's over. Now we got this engineered war in Ukraine. I I was it was it was of interest. Well, the one thing that I wanted to make sure that we got into is um, the the solutions. You know, um, uh, we haven't really talked about solutions awareness. Of course, like that's one of the things that, you know, what made uh, Sound of Freedom uh, get a lot of attention. Mel Gibson came out and goes, hey, man, the first thing is awareness. You guys need to know what's up. And, uh, you know, so it's the same kind of thing with the, the work that you're doing. We need awareness. You know, Holland is a itty bitty little tiny spot um, across the channel from uh, Great Britain uh, just to the east of it, and where it lands, you know, like Normandy, you know, it's France, and you just keep going northeast on the coast, boom, you're Holland. And Holland's not that big. I mean, it's the size of one of our smallest states. I mean, it's teeny tiny, but 
They have a lot of cleared land that they've done over the generations and hundreds of years ago, and they mass produce food and a lot of uh, dairy and cattle and so on, and which is it was a perfect neon flashing example of what they needed to get. They them those need to get rid of it. It's going to be a food thing. Already starting to be. Well, in the United States, I'm old enough. You know, I was born in 61, graduated high school, 79. I'm 62 years old. Kind of gives you my generation. But I remember in the late 70s where the Carter administration was, we're going to feed the world. You know, screw the Soviet bloc and the Cold War of we're we're America and we're going to be the breadbasket of and everybody, you know, we're going to give you special programs to get the farmers in debt. They, you got to buy the new combine. You got to get the new John Deere of whatever. You got to get indebted, you know, a gazillion dollars to the bank if we're going to give you a loans and kind of, yeah, here we go. Then they changed policies, different subsidies. They extracted, pulled, yanked around with the farmers to where they started going bankrupt. And this is why you remember later in the 80s and so on, they had, you know, farm aid. Willie Nelson's out raising money for farms, trying to save the farms, and they're going to the debt of the farms. Well, what happened? It was a conscious effort. It was, you know, all of a sudden you can't afford it anymore. And Arthur Daniel Midland bought it, you know. Mm-hmm. Then Arthur Daniel Midland, you know, starts um, subsidizing media. You know, they're brought to you by Arthur Daniel Midland that, you know, is taking all the farms. I mean, so this, you could see it. It was an attack on the farmers, ranchers. The ranchers, not allowed to have this, what the Bundy Ranch stuff was all about. You know, the mm-hmm. thing that was going on in Oregon, the Boy Finnegan's murder. I mean, all of this stuff was them getting you off the land with new introduced a gray wolf this, bear that. Whatever it is, they want to be in control of you, ultimately, you know, the planet, the land. Now, the beginning of America, uh, James Corbett and I did, you know, last week a, a show on this particular issue, was Thomas Jefferson made a big deal out of the yeoman farmer. That's who he saw as the 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 core of America, the person that is closest to the land. They get their knees and hands, you know, in the dirt. They're getting well grounded. It's healthier. You know, they're more participatory in their own sustenance and they're creating their own uh, food, their own communities. Their own, they, didn't, they had a distrust of any collective, any, you know, shiny badge, any crown. Anybody was going to tell them what to do. So he really had the individual and certainly the farmer in mind, which is, he's right. That is the core of our sustainability, our ability to exist, to educate our own children, to be responsible, you know, for our own nutrition. You know, um, uh, medicine is food and food is medicine. I mean, this concept is not new. This has been around for millennia and sure as heck since the beginning of America. So the idea of America is not lost on the rest of the planet. Sooner or later, when you have these kinds of things happen, you start doing some research. You start doing some reading. That happened with James Patrick. You started going into Austrian economics, and you're getting your Ph.D. and whatever, and kind of, you know, and I'm learning to find myself on, and all of a sudden, you can see why it's going to be a food thing, you know. So tell us about that transition into your studies, because you were primarily, your day job was real estate development or real estate doing stuff, as I remember, and, you know, all of a sudden, you're finding out the same thing that we are with this Occupy the Land thing. Oh, you thought you were going to be able to do what you wanted. No, 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 no. We got a permit for that, you know, and uh, we're denying it. In Arizona, 
all building permits are stopped as of last week in Maricopa County. If you are on a well or you count on well water, you cannot build a home. And one thing in the last several years that a lot of the activists, yeah, we were thinking about this. We're going, you know, a lot of the best activists, a lot of the principled people, they grew up on well water. They weren't being fluoridated. They weren't being municipal, you know, uh, uh, 30s Germany. This is your new water mm-hmm. system on the you know, municipal water supply we inject. And I've done stuff on fluoridation. How It's a waste product that they use our kidneys as their dilution. The solution to pollution is dilution in your kidneys. I mean, you know, this is they, they actually pay for the injection of being able to dump the fluoride into the system in, in Arizona. I'm like... What the crap? This is on purpose. That's when we started looking at people that were raised on well water. Uh, do they think differently? Do they have more resistance? Yes, in my opinion. So your transition into learning more about Austrian economics, of uh, you're educating yourself in different disciplines, what brought that on? Uh, the, the, the Dutch farmer film? No, 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 no. Your, your discipline in economics, you start getting your, you want to get a degree in that. You're starting to study, you know, other things that you went through university. You, you know, you've had uh, your profession that you were doing before, but now you're, you know, starting to expand your capabilities and other education. I just wonder what motivated that. Yeah, I guess being from D.C., I was always like, I was kind of a. I guess I was a little spoiled and then kind of was always like, what, what was going on? What's behind this? I didn't like authority. So, uh, I kind of was like trying to figure out who's really behind everything. And then, and then I, I was, that led me you to truth like, seeker you, and that led me to the, the, the central banks really seem more like the guys calling the shots than the president or something. So I was, I was looking around for explanations of how the central banks work and then found like Murray Rothbard's book, uh, the case against the fed. And then, then started reading, you know, Mises and, uh, Hoppe and stuff like that. So I, I think it, it was really, that's how I found my way to the Austrian school. Um, I do think they are a little bit short-sighted in that they think that if something's private, it's just always just by very by virtue okay. When I think people can kill others with their own private property, it's not like there's still ethics and values. So the Austrian literature isn't totally clean. Like I mean, Rothbard, I think it was really clear in natural rights, natural law. Mises makes fun of of Christianity and the whole idea of natural law in his book Theory and History. Uh, so he's showing some biases like, um, Hoppe has some short sights too, I think in different areas. Um, he, he interjects a lot of weird evolutionary biology stuff, which really isn't his field. And so the the Austrians tend to be like cranks is in my view. They're a little bit like, Oh, if it's private, it's perfect. And you're like, well, well, now we see the, all the private companies suppressing us. And like, they're, I mean, now they, they're using, government this, they, help, you know? they're using the government for doing the real dirty work, the killing and the, the maiming. And the government definitely is the main tool well, to there's that. Explo- <laughs> exploit us. But it's not to say there is a broader issue of like what our values and what kind of society we want. And, and, and I think if, if trashy, tasteless, homicidal people grow to own everything 
you do see, you know, we still need a peasant's revolt to correct that. Well, it's called the free to... market. Whenever you have, you know, you create these big industries, well, they always want to protect their monopoly. They, you got to have a permit to compete. You're not allowed I'm to I'm just saying whatever. they can achieve similar things, not quite as, as effective and totalitarian on the free market, too. So it's it, just because just having a free market is a very important thing that we need to get done. But. But it's not going to solve all the solutions, is my point. Yeah. So there's sort of this atheistic, misanthropic, hands-off trend in the libertarian movement, Austrian economics community, that's a little bit like we need to, we still, we still need to talk about what are morality and what is morality, what are values, what are truths. Yeah, I, I think we, in the 90s, as activists, uh, you know, the, 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 the cut, even amongst, um, uh, libertarian party types, they they would go and say, "You Rothbardian, you're just a Rothbardian," as if it was a bad thing. You know, we're sitting mm-hmm. there going, "Yeah," and your point. I, I go, "What the hell were they talking about?" As we go in, they were looking for uh, the brass ring. It's their turn. The libertarian. Now you can't turn on the TV without some politician or news commentator saying how libertarian they are. You know, libertarian, mm-hmm. libertarian, libertarian, and uh, but. To me, that's why the show is called Declare Your Independence, because it was what had the most impact on me as an individual. Young man going, all right, late 80s, I'm like, what the heck is going on? I came across a bunch of corruption and long story. But I started, I said, well, we'll start at the beginning. Read Declaration of Independence, Constitution, Bill of Rights. Constitution, not a big giant fan of. It was just another, you know, the crown. I mean, it's just another way they're going to rule me, you know, and, you know, how we're going to do it. And then the Bill of Rights is that, oh, the 10 thou shalt, shalt nots of government, you know, and you're not going to do this, this, this. Oh, okay, so that you put those together, you know, we can tolerate that. But the Declaration of Independence was, you know, hell, they had the Articles of Confederation after the Revolution. You know, the decade it held nine presidents before even George Washington, you know, started with the, the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So, but the Declaration of Independence, the sentiment there was the purpose of government is the defense of the rights of the individual. I mean, if it, it doesn't do that, it's time to alter, abolish. It's your right. It's your duty. Mm-hmm. So th- that concept that the whole reason you have a government is to defend individual rights, well, sign me up, man. I'm good for that. You yeah. know, I raise my hand. I got to vote. I vote for that. You know? But it is, it is. I mean, Hoppe points out, it is sort of contradictory that the only institution we designate to protect property is the only one that can steal it. Right. Legally. And then the only one. on force, but then they had the Second Amendment. See, that was one thing. Yeah, yeah. You go to Europe and the yeah. Dutch farmers, they're going, damn, I wish we had a Second Amendment. Yeah, can you ship us some ARs? I mean, you know, what's their mindset on um, uh, actual revolutionary capability, defense, gun rights? Is that a thing in Holland? No, no. I mean, in, in, so in all Western Europe. And block traffic. Yeah, in all Western Europe after World War Two, they they stripped the guns from people or heavily restricted them. So after tyrannical governments caused mayhem all across the world, and certainly in Europe after World War Two, they chose to disarm the people. <laughs> well, it, I I don't know what to say to that. Other than, you know, in America, at least we have uh, a, a lot of justification, a lot of argument, a lot of examples. And it's in our Constitution that you have the right to arm yourself in defense of yourself, your body, your family, your community, your freedom. 
So is this going to be uh, a resurrection of this philosophy throughout the world? Is it going to happen in Europe? Is there going to be a Second Amendment uh, advocacy in various different countries or at the European Union? I wouldn't hold my breath. So this is um, very interesting to see that the Dutch farmers and a lot of people throughout Europe are resisting. But in what way? How can you resist? Are, Are you able to not be tracked, you know, not pay your taxes not comply, uh, resist, you know, and to what extent and how. So it seems that around the world, and they'll get to America sooner or later, already are, but um, to take away your real property rights, your right to land. And that's one thing I think we'll get more into in the final segment with James Patrick is that the Dutch – were all about property rights. They were worldwide renowned merchants. The Dutch East India Company, the Amsterdam was a center of trade. And a lot of people don't know that the Netherlands, they had an enormous amount of the United States debt. They lent more money to us until I think it was Japan and Germany started um, getting involved. But it's a small little country that understands that their land's being taken away and they're resisting. What shall come become of this? I don't know. And I, I am concerned because this is uh, the rhetoric is going about a couple hundred thousand cattle they want to euthanize in Ireland. You know, Trudeau in Canada is going, oh, yeah, we got to, you know, dismantle the farms, the ranches, you know, uh, replace cows with crickets or whatever. And then, of course, some of the rhetoric here in the United States. So this is not an isolated incident. This is popping up everywhere. And certainly with the World Economic Forum, Bilderberger, Trilaterals, all the conspiracy secret handshake clubs that want to explain it to you, you know, yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to have to pay closer attention to this. And this is why, you know, just out of, fundamental base level i understood that the one thing that they they them those won't leave us alone doesn't want is us self-sustaining and on our own property our own land raising our own food taking care of our own water educating our own children being supportive of our own community this doesn't work into their agenda this is not part of their plan so I just want to make sure as we do more shows, uh, we're going to start focusing more on this. I've been doing this for, God, since 03, I had 20 years, you know. So for 20 years, we've been talking on there, and it all points to this. You'll own nothing, and you'll be happy, or your social credit score will suffer. And there are many methods to social and economic engineering It's a psychological thing, and we've been exposed to these kinds of experiments uh, here in America since uh, for as long as I can remember. This has been very interesting for me to see the social and economic engineering to get what? To create a better something or to maintain and enhance and expand control over many people by few. If you want to see the future, it was, you know, told to me one time years ago uh, by um, uh, an old uh, lawyer friend of mine. And he said, if you want to see the future, you look at what's being subsidized. You see what's rewarded. Then 
you look at what's being punished. You get more of one and less of another. So if you have productivity and ingenuity and resourcefulness and savings and increased income, you know, all of a sudden you got progressive income tax that punishes that. You have people that want to open businesses that want to be entrepreneurial. They want to make use of the land. All that's punished. What is um, rewarded sloth and inactivity and dependence and disability. You know, a lot of the things that meritocracy and Yankee know-how America can-do-ism overcomes, the incentives to do that are being taken away. And the incentives for you to sit on your butt in your grandma's basement playing video games looking for your next universal basic income check, you know, are there. And it's just sad to watch happen because it doesn't end well. We'll go ahead and check in for the final segment with James Patrick on how this is being confronted in the Netherlands. I think it's of interest. We'll finish this right up. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not afraid! No fear, no fear, no fear here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock. But we are relatively concerned. And our interview with James Patrick will finish up this segment. But I really got a a lot of perspective of what's going on around the world and the same issues that we're facing here. But the more you get involved, and whatever the vector was that got you to the nucleus if they want to take away your individual rights, you know, was it, what was it? Was it election fraud? That was what got me going in the late 80s. I, I, that, that was my focus. I've run for Secretary of State twice, County Recorder, uh, Congress three times, U.S. Senate, State Legislature, County Recorder. I've, I've been doing this for a long time. And it was always around one thing, to get standing to file suits on election law. And we'll talk about that in the future of what we discovered and, you know, what kind of how many Ernie laws I got and that kind of thing. But it doesn't matter. You know, none of that was the, the most movement that I got was not from what a judge said. You know, I just wanted them to say it. Make them say it, you know, make them make you and make them say it. <laughs> you know, you, you got to you gotta push back. There's got to be some blowback. There's got to be some resistance or it'll just snowball over you. You know, our rights, our future, our children, our grandchildren. You know, somebody's got to say no. You got to press back. Make them justify themselves. Make them say it publicly. 
So that has been my goal over the years. But um, once you discover their intent, then you can, it doesn't matter what laws they pass. It doesn't matter, you know, how they're interpreted now. They'll keep the pressure on. It'll be another three years, five years, ten years later. They, them, those that won't leave us alone are going to do what they intend to do. So what is important is discovering what their intent is. Their intent is to maintain and enhance and expand their power and control over the rights of the individual and to whatever benefits them, and they don't care about you. They don't. You know, like George Carlin said, there's a club, and you ain't in it, you know. So it's very obvious to me and a lot of people that have been paying attention and doing battle up, you know, close and personal with the evil that's out there, and they usually have a shiny badge. They got a name tag. They got a title. You know, they got a lab coat. They got a stethoscope around their neck. And they definitely always wearing a shiny tie. So this is, they seek credibility above all things. If their arguments were, were credible, they wouldn't need to use force and mandates. They wouldn't need guns and tanks and, you know, F-16s to make people comply with what it is that they want to do. They, you know, and government's not friendly advice. You know, they're not, they're not coming to you and saying, you know, you know, we think you should do this. Oh, and here's a gun to make sure, (laughs) you know, there, there's always manipulation and force, but that doesn't work. You never can force people to, you can force them to comply, but you can't force them to agree with what you're doing. So that is, you, you always got to watch your back. Well, here comes the blowback against government and the mandates. So I'm very interested in how it's being uh, tackled, opposed around the world, especially when most of the planet doesn't have gun rights. You know, there is not, not that ultimate, I said no, the people said no, and they meant it, and they would be able to defend that no. So around the world, the only way that they have to express their opposition is in, I don't know, I, I guess passive resistance, uh, parking their tractors on the road. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. Uh, voting is compromised. You have uh, uh, wallet voting. That's very effective. That's very effective. And that's where a lot of focus is. I got WalletVoting.com back in, oh, oh, early 2000s when I started doing radio because I could see that was where the power was going to be. You know, go to WalletVoting.com. I think I got forwarded. It goes to Freedom's Phoenix. I'm I'm holding off on it. You know, we got, you know, there, there's coming a time and it's getting closer. So it's great that James Patrick, we got to hang out and spend some time together and talk about his film. And there's others coming along these lines also. He's on his way to Ireland to uh, do some more filming. And he also has another film that's in production about the effect of the lockdowns and the uh pandemic on children. How did the lockdowns, how did the masking, how did all this fear mongering and so on affect them psychologically? That would be of interest to many. So 
this is a lot of the stuff that we're going to be covering, but also I really focus on the solution. And my solution is doing almost opposite of whatever they, them, those don't want me to do. And they want you off the land. They do not want you to be self-sustaining. They do not want you to have your own unintentional community. You have your property rights respected, hopefully. You have property that's yours, hopefully. And then you have neighbors, people that think like you do. People are in the same circumstance. You're outside of a municipal corporation. You're in the county. You're on the land. You're a rural. This is where we're going to be spending our focus because all my experiences really led me to this is the only solution. And, you know, there was a lot of support for that. If you read Thomas Jefferson, he was all about the yeoman farmer. He was about the people close to the land, the ones that were self-sustaining, the ones that took care of themselves and their families and their neighbors. So we're going to be focusing on that. But we'll go ahead and finish up our conversation with James Patrick. You know, we're just ended on, is there a Second Amendment in Europe? Which countries have the ability to defend themselves? Well, they don't. You know, oftentimes, right after World War II, they stripped them of their gun rights. You know, they, you don't have a right to a gun. Well, we'll take care of it for you. Don't worry about it. Well, they're taking care of it, and you need to worry about it. More with James Patrick right now. In, so they're in just all going to use Europe, and block traffic. Yeah, in all Western Europe, after World War II, they, they stripped the guns from people or heavily restricted them. So what is their mechanism for They're going to go vote harder? They they they, they got they got accurate elections. It's all good. They wouldn't they wouldn't mess with the elections. That'd no, be they're wrong. very domesticated in Europe. As animals, <laughs> I mean, there's like cattle people. Yeah, a lot of them apart. get very self righteous, like Canadians do. They oh, these evil Americans. They <laughs> they're so barbaric. Look at all these shootings. They're so. I mean, you know, they put they put uh, their ego in front of their brains. You know, they're, they're really it's really ridiculous, and I mean, it's a slave mentality. They they really have, are, believe all this crap they've been told for so long for for several generations since the fifties. You know, I mean, it's, if it's two or three generations of nonsense puff, punch through their so how is brain. Austrian economics? You know, viewed in Holland, they even know it, that they ever heard of Ayn Rand or Hayek or Mises or Rothbard or this. There's a group called Language of Liberty that we uh-huh. worked with before. And what they do is because a lot of this stuff is in English, you know, they go to Europe and we've had over the years, many uh, students that they have like eight, nine at a time will come to Arizona. And we take them shooting, they get to go to the Suns game, they get to do it, and then they intern at, you know, various, even, you know, some government offices. You know, we have some libertarians in transportation of blah, 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 or a, a criminal defense attorney or some media guys and so on. Or they, you know, I've had interns, you know, help with the show and stuff like that. And we always entertain them and, you know, Yasik, you know, as the one guy was one of the students that went on and had his own Arizona project that he brings a lot of these guys in and how they Select them is that um, uh, they're activists or entrepreneurs. Some have their own businesses, but a lot of them, they're generally early 30s, 20s. And they come to America. They'll spend like six weeks there and they get, you know, exposed to, you know, the truth of whatever. Then they go back and they just have mm-hmm. all these alumni, you know, that are um, sharing this kind of information, this liberty oriented America, you know, in 
uh, Soviet Union, Ukraine, mm -hmm. Poland, Czechoslovakia. I mean, it was just um, the Czech Republic. You got to call it right, I guess. But the um, uh, this has been very interesting to me. And the reason they call it language of liberty because a lot of mm -hmm. this was in English. So they speak English and they're learning these concepts in English. How pervasive is the American? I don't know, rhetoric, uh, the freedom, rights of the individual, rights of the individual, the rights of the individual. That, does that penetrate at all with these Dutch farmers? Or they're just, we're being ruled wrong. We, we want to pick this guy to rule us right, as opposed to not being ruled. I mean, the Dutch farmers are pretty independent, hardcore people. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the city people are very domesticated. But, yeah, when I flew over there, I sat next to a, a woman on the airplane. She was a Dutch woman who spent some months in Mongolia. And then she – because I took the flight through Turkey. It was a cheap flight through Turkey. Yeah. And she was coming from Mongolia. She was served in the military of Holland. And she said she was down in, in 2019 – I think in 2019 – or. Yeah, I think it was 2019. She said there was even a roadblock of farmers that stopped a military convoy, and they had burning like th items and pitchforks and stuff. And there was even almost like a standoff, like were they going to take the weapons from the convoy? Like so, I mean, it's just she was like, you know, I support the farmers, but I also wouldn't want to. I was nervous being in the convoy and that the farmers would take the weapons from us. And it was like, you know, so it's not they're not. Okay, pushing. which side was she in with the military? Or she the was farmer? serving in the military, but she she said I was sympathetic with their cause, you know. But like, it, still, I didn't want this to get to a, a blows here, you know. And I mean, it's just like, you know, I hope I hope the farmers maintain their balls and. And don't uh, yeah, because it's over back for down you. because do the government this. is really out of out of line here, and and they they're talking about stealing people's livelihoods and and they drive people to insanity and anger, and then they go, oh well, you're a jerk for overreacting. So government funded NGOs. You know, I'm not advocating an armed revolt, but but I do think um, we you gotta like if they're talking about stealing a third of the country, what what kind of government representation is that? I, it's I'm, a violent aggression against how I, I don't see how this doesn't become it, – it's going to be from the barrel of a gun it has or to, something. I mean, that has to be the biggest, like, infringement on Dutch rights in, in recorded history. Which the Dutch has been an example of free market capitalism for longer in America. Yeah. I mean, you know, long – heck, you know, for a long time. I mean, you know, this is – how they made their life. It was the richest, this itty bitty little, you know, kingdom. A lot of people don't know that the Dutch up until hell, even now were the greatest investment in America and our tre treasuries and, you know, the debt. And I mean, it's the Dutch. And I, and they in always, New York, New York almost spoke Dutch for, yeah, it was almost the official language of New York. They go after the strength. Yeah. The rest is a mop-up operation, and it's been America and Holland. You know, so I was to just briefly go over the the site or, or that um, the, a little bit of my work. So I'm, I'm doing like a regular interview series. Um, I have like 15 backlogged interviews now. Um, I did uh, one with former French presidential candidate, three terms, Jean LaSalle, who admitted that a third of the French Senate faked their vaccines, and Macron did. Um, I got, like, uh, Brooke Jackson, the Pfizer whistleblower. Uh, I'm putting out two this week and next week on um, 
Christine Cotton goes over the Pfizer trials methodology, how it was all the mm. worst clinical trials. Where would they go for this? It's at bigpicture.watch, and I have the email list, and they're posted to different sites as well. And then I interviewed, just interviewed Sasha Latipova on the fact that the vaccines were authorized as military countermeasure prototypes, demonstrations, not, not actually FDA approved. There was strange legal stuff going on there. Sasha Latipova also designed and oversaw clinical trials for big pharma companies for 20 years. So, Yeah, um, no, the history. I mean, you want to you – CorbettReport.com, James Corbett doing stuff, a four-part series on, you know, the real Bill Gates and on Fauci and all yeah. that. I mean, these are evil sons. They've been around for a long time yeah. doing this stuff. So, yeah, it's amazing I'm, what they're getting away with. So on the on the site, BigPicture.watch, you can find the films I'm doing and, 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 and contribute to each one. And then the, um, there's also this ongoing interview series. So the next film I'm working on now is the – was is, well, I'm doing this new Irish one. I'm going to Ireland and, and and doing another film like I did on Holland and on Ireland. Then there's the one I'm doing on the fertility effects of the vaccines in, in three parts. That's going to be really cool. Oh, they don't want and, you doing that one. And uh, and then the third one is uh, on on how children have been affected called by the lockdowns and the training stuff. Called Psychologically, what, what happened at school? Yeah. So, this has been I when they first started mandating the. Uh, face masks in school, uh, my grandchildren came out of the public school system because our children were homeschooled. After my oldest was in third grade, I could see what was kind of said, man, I am not fighting this. You know, I, nope, we're done, out. What are you going to do? Don't know, don't care. You know, they can sit there and play blocks all day. They're not getting this. So yeah, yeah. we, no. And that was so <laughs> bad when they, the rhetoric, remember back then in like April 2020, they said it was let's get our kids back to school. And then they came out with these egregious proto- protocols of like wrapping them in plastic and then making them crazy, you know. And you're like, I don't know if that's the best environment to go back yeah, to. No, I, yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, we're done. And yeah, homeschooling is really coming into a, its, own. its own. And yeah. there's a lot of curriculum and good material out there. And we were really encouraged by uh, Ron Paul coming out with you know Ron Paul curriculum. That was if you had nothing else, at least you could trust he wouldn't. It wasn't going to be communism. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there's been um, a big backlash that I don't know if they anticipated or didn't care or they got what they wanted anyway. Or they must have anticipated it. Well, here comes the uh, central bank digital currency, you know, the control mechanism with your money. You know, don't think that got you know unnoticed. You know that that's not going to be a vector. You know they're and. Did it ever come up in Europe? You know, their central bank digital currency controlled social credit. If you're on the list of whatever COVID tracking phone crap, I mean, did that get discussed at all out of Holland? I mean, the Dutch issue is just about the farmers, but. No, no, no. As you're talking to the people. You know, I mean, you know, they see in a much larger, they're part of no, just I a don't. tentacle of the octopus. I mean, I think they're just like everybody. They they're not necessarily connecting all the dots. So, just just a few. Of wow, them man, what's it going to take? What do you think? Let's end on that. What do you think it's going to take for people to see this is a full spectrum dominance vector everywhere, all around atmosphere of control of attack on any resistance for them. To they them those to control. Well, that's what I'm doing do these films for to, to to draw those connections for people because I think most people don't see. They just think the world's gone mad. Um, 
But I think the more that they push their hand and, and act so so obvious about it, the fact that the, all the you know we're hit, but we're hit by the. That's how I end on the Dutch farmers film is this commentary by a Austrian professor, and he's like, whether it's the anti nuclear, the anti the anti nitrogen, the you know all these different issues coming at us from all these perspective, all these different angles that um, we need to get all on the same page and see it as one holistic attack on us and not divided into these different battle groups, but really all join. That was my realization after a few months in the late eighties, when I started a young man doing like when you start looking, it became very obvious to me that these were just all symptoms of an overall attack. You know, America and the concept of individualism, the concept of individual rights, the concept of you own yourself, you're not property of a sovereign king of crown of something. You know, that was the attack. It would all the issues, be it, you know, education or finance, uh, economics, uh, health care, everything had a core of we want to control. And we're going to use whatever yeah. mechanism to do it. That's why they had the United Nation this or League of Nations or the, you know, G20 of the GGG, the IMF, Bank of International, the BRICS. What, they're all the same. They don't want me running my life, my family. Mm-hmm. They're going to take my land or you're not allowed to have land, yeah. whatever. Here it comes. Because you're going to hurt the orchids. <laughs> With <Yeah>. nitrogen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. James Patrick. You know, James Patrick, this is awesome. Thanks for spending time with us. You know, I really enjoyed this conversation. But the main thing, you know, I just want the audience to know, because this all comes down to, I guarantee it's going to come down to this, general public opinion. Nitrogen 2000, nitrogen, seriously. The Dutch farmer struggle. Well, it's not going to be just Dutch farmers. We're all Dutch farmers now. That's going to be a worldwide thing. And it's you know, one of the phrases that I use a lot is I go, it, it won't happen all at once, but it will happen overnight. And a lot of people, they didn't really understand what I meant. What I mean is, is it won't happen all at once. I mean, you'll see it. You'll see this kind of stuff. You'll see the documentaries. You'll see the policies. You'll see the rhetoric, the public service announcements, the fear, the fear, the fear. You'll see it, you know, but it won't happen all at once. You'll see it coming, but it will happen overnight. All of a sudden, it's going to be Friday and the bank holiday starts or something happened and the world's different on Monday. You know, the stock market will take a big giant jump or dump or whatever. It's just it, it will happen overnight, but it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. And I think the biggest uh, overnight and the biggest surprise, because people don't know what to do, is going to be financial. It's going to be they're going to have to go to central bank digital currency and all the problems that that brings. And the reason is is because math. They, you can't do what they've been doing and it be sustainable. It's just it's not sustainable. And uh, a lot of us in this freedom space and covering economics and so on are amazed it's lasted as long as it has. But it can't go. That which can't continue doesn't. William Wallace, you stand in taint of high treason. Against whom? Against your king. Have you anything to say? 
Never in my whole life did I swear allegiance to him. It matters not. He is your king. Confess and you may receive a quick death. Deny and you must be purified by pain. Do you confess? Do you confess? Then on the morrow you... Welcome back for the final segment of Declare Your Independence. Welcome back to the final segment of Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network. Now, we have a clip from a conversation that I have weekly with my good friend, Dr. Frank Tamburi. And, you know, we talk politics and culture and so on on the Trump report. We've been doing for eight years. This particular conversation really is over three hours, and it averages three to five hours <laughs> every week. We've been doing this for eight years. And I'm just going to give you one segment just to entertain you and see how much fun we have. If you want to uh, hear the entire show, go to Declare Your Independence with ErnestHancock.com or our new site and portal, FreedomsPhoenix.com. Freedom with an S, Phoenix spelled out P-H-O-E-N-I-X.com. And at the top right, you'll see the Declare Your Independence logo. You click on that, and boom, you can get the full entire show. We have a lot of fun. You can also interact with our editors and me as the publisher for freedomsphoenix.com. At the top of the site, it'll say, join us. And you can sign up for free and get the email dispatch that has, man, it's 50 to 70 headlines a day we cover the entire uh, news coverage of anything that we think is of importance but you'll find it unique in that we're not pushing any one agenda other than freedom but we also include a lot of articles from the left and the right mainly so you can see the rhetoric that they're advocating so you can understand you know, the beginnings of a lot of these trends and things that are coming are Readers and listeners are very well informed. Be informed. Be ready. Be prepared. That's what we've been doing since 2005. We started Freedoms Phoenix. It was an idea in 1996 when we knew that when video hit the Internet, it was going to change everything. Of course, we were ridiculed. Video hit the Internet. That'll never happen. But I go, yeah, well, when it does. Well, in 2005, it did. And when it hit, we were ready. So I encourage you to go check it out. There are uh, tutorials on there. There's a lot of time that we'll spend in the future on how to use the site, how to get the most out of it. But I tell you, it is very effective in turning you into a warrior, that you get the information and it's easy to share it. It's not a social media so much as it is a an activist tool. That's how it was created. But it's fun. It has a wide range of information. And we do a lot of things. And you'll get up to speed on all the things that we... You probably recognized a lot of the activities that we've done over the years. But you just never knew where that came from. <laughs> well, now you're going to know. Enjoy. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock. Hey, 
are now also collapsing. People are, the attendance of Disney parks is abysmal. I've heard a lot of their most popular rides are down to 10 minute waits, hey. which most of the, which, you, you know, you're like two hour. Yeah, it's like 10 minutes, right? Now, now I, the funny thing is, I'm, 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 I'm part of this because I have a child. I always wanted to bring her to Disney park. We went to the first theme park ever with my daughter, a Phaedra. And we decided to go, and I kept thinking, going to, you know, thinking Disney World or Disneyland or, you know, California. You know, she's six years old. You know, Disney Princess, do the princess thing. I mean, that's normally what you would think I would do, even though I'm not into the corporate stuff. And yet, I was so turned off by Disney. I don't care about their Star Wars ride. They took down the Song of the South ride, a Splash Mountain. Uh, they're, they're, t- they're having rainbow parades that they're pushing in the parks. They're, you know, I've heard of all the price gouging on and on and on, all the fights going on at Disney parks because the security doesn't want to, th- th- does not want to enforce security because then they're going to be called a racist and all this crap. So I'm so turned off by Disney, but just on a personal note, I made the sacrifice not to make my daughter's first, you know, big theme park Disneyland. Instead, we decided to go to Knott's Berry Farms, which, you know, a plug. I tell you, I really rather never heard of it. It was fantastic. It's like a family vibe giant amusement park, which has one of the top roller coasters in the world called Ghost Rider. Check it out. It's awesome. But I'll tell you what, it was just a family place. We had a fantastic time. We planned to Where go was even this? longer next time. What was it called? So, so Disney parks are all failing on top of their movies. So what was the park you the went infra- to you liked? What was it? Knott's Berry Farms. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah, mean, no, there's up here. Out. It's called I mean, what, Silverwood in northern Idaho that Rhea uh-huh. and her kids, their family went last year, and they had such a great time. They went again this year, and Sierra brought her kids from Phoenix up to northern Idaho and come visited up here with Donna and I, you know, uh, just to go to that park. And Donna went and said, yeah, it was awesome, beautiful. I, I didn't make it because I was still in Bangor. But I came right after they went. Kids loved it. You know, they're just yeah. – and, and and you didn't get Snow White and Drag telling you – no, no, Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're right. Remember, we, I, we played on the show. I mean, the, the guy in Drag trying to pretend a prince. I mean, I was so turned off. And go to Knott's Berry Farms, it was going to an old-fashioned – Amusement park of the day, back in the day. Uh, the only, and all to credit Knott's Berry Farms, they have a very interesting history. I'll save you guys the the, the deal. But um, they have one property that they gotten uh, that they decided to bring in to compete with Disney, and that was the Peanuts with Snoopy. So there's a whole Snoopy land, and it's all done family friendly. And my daughter loved it. She loves Woodstock. She's all in the Woodstock. And it was just, I have to say, it was, I felt like an old fashioned parent that I wanted to be. There was not one inkling of woke anything around you go to disney parks even go to the zoo here in arizona and i'm not kidding about about an i would say a fifth of all the attendees were were trans 
I, I, I couldn't believe it. My wife and I went to the zoo here in Phoenix Zoo, which is right next to ASU, a very, very liberal you know, college and, and city of Tempe. And all, about a fifth of all the people were trans. I couldn't tell if these are men or women. The entire, and they're all wearing shorts and T-shirts. And they, they, I thought they were women. They're talking like they're a guy. I, could, I was thrown off the whole, the whole time. I hate, hate to say it. So none of that when I went to Knott's Berry Farms. And I'm sure like what you're talking about. Well, with all of these things, you know, and the merchandising is collapsing because no one watches their movies. No one likes well, was the property. Was it busy at Knott's Berry Farm? Was it? Um... Oh, yeah. Well, it was busy, but not. Too busy. It was perfectly regulated. And, and in other words, it wasn't too much, not too little. You, they, they, they do have a fast pass that you could do. But I'll be honest, it wasn't that long of a wait. It was it was doable. I didn't feel suffocated by people or by agenda or any of the suffocation that people are getting at Disney um, at the Disney parks. And that's why also everyone's going to Universal. Universal is going through the roof. People are watching their movies. They're wa- They're going to their parks. Disney is hemorrhaging on all sides, including, as I was about to say, is since no one's watching their movies or their TV shows, that means no one's watching their cable show. They're, they're pulling out hundreds of thousands of subscribers every month are leaving Disney Plus, which was supposed to be the engine of why they bought everything. Yeah. They bought all these properties thinking they could just build and buy a network to compete with Netflix. And they're hemorrhaging. So now no one's buying the toys that we had ESPN, Hulu, Disney, all that for free just by being a one time Verizon customers or something that got. And we still saw unsubscribed. I got so tired of just going and Netflix. You go. It's like just even looking for a movie. I felt indoctrinated. I'm just going. I, I, I can't. I, it's not, it pisses me off every time I click on the stream service. I, no, done. Next. I, I'm, so, I'm not so doing here's it. The, so here's the big news. Angel and Studios. You heard it here first. You heard it here first on Freedom's Phoenix. Most of you probably hear it first. All right. So, not that anybody cares, but uh, with Disney being so bad, there's been a rumor it's been going around for a number of years. And uh, of a certain company buying Disney, but it didn't seem to go through yet because it's almost the 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 the, the thinking is that this company knows how bad Disney is and they're just waiting for Disney to keep hemorrhaging so the cost keeps going down and down and down. And it's a company that really could utilize the ultimate buy of of uh, of 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 of, uh, we call it, of, of uh, properties. In other words, Disney bought up Lucasfilm and Pixar and Marvel and everybody else. In order to build up uh, their their their, their All right, who's going to do it? Who buy it? Here we go. Yeah. Apple. Apple is looking to buy Disney, and rumors, and this is beyond just the rumor. So it's it's thought that with, uh, many people are betting on this that within about three years, uh, Disney will be in such dire straits. Not to mention this Hulu deal that I talked about a few weeks ago, and that's coming up in December. And we'll talk about that later. I mean, Disney is so screwed in so many ways. When you let's watch what they're doing, and uh, so they're going to need some help. And uh, it looks like Apple, because remember, Apple's trying to do Apple TV. They have their own subscription service. They're trying to get content. What better way? Since Apple has the infrastructure, they have the computers, they have the whole setup. The only thing they don't have is the content. And Apple is in the same woke mentality as Disney. Matter of fact. Disney people are on Apple's board and Apple's on Disney board. They 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 do a lot of cross pollination, oh, cool. so it's a perfect match to BlackRock, Vanguard, and not just Disney. But remember, Disney bought Fox Studios, so every movie ever done by 20th Century Fox 
everything, uh, including when they bought Fox, they also bought Sound of Freedom, which they didn't want to release. But that, uh, I digress. So they have all of this. And so Disney, I'm sorry, Apple would own every Disney movie, every Marvel movie, every Star Wars, you know, Lucasfilm. They'd own everything Fox did, the Alien franchise and Lethal Weapon. And I mean, it goes all, you know, Singing in the Rain. I mean, like every single movie. I think that was MGM, actually. But everything for like, you know, 50, 80 years, everything they can put right on their channel. So watch for that. And you guys are investors. I'm not giving investor advice, but man, they're they're. There, there's something interesting there. Well, wait, 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 wait. Tell me how you like the movie Sound of Freedom. We never got into it. What did you think? <clears throat> Tear up a few times. Boom, it wins. Okay. The um, As a movie, there weren't any car crashes or laser beams. Damn it. You know what I mean? You want some of the bad guys to get, you know, like a, a, a lightsaber or something across the face. But... Um, it was entertaining. It was engaging. It was quality. It went, well, it gave a good message without exploiting, you know, the issue or the children. I thought it was very well done for something of its nature. It's just that I, you know, it's an uncomfortable subject that, you know, um, yay, let's go watch Sound of Freedom. But, um, I'm glad I did. I, I enjoyed it. Is that I enjoyed the impact it had. I enjoyed the method they used to portray this subject. I enjoy the bad guys coming after it and it doing really well. I recommend people see it. I recommend, you know, after you see it, maybe you would take even children or young people to see it. It's not that they can't, you know, watch watch it. There's, there's some good action. I I liked it. But it's not um I could recommend it without saying it's not entertainment. It's almost like homework. It's work, you know, to go, but a bunch of us went at one time. I, I don't want to say I enjoyed the movie. I approved of the movie. I got my money's worth. I didn't feel like I needed a refund. It was an adventure with friends. It was important. I liked, the fact that it had such an impact and it's a big giant middle finger to all of the stuff that you and I have been criticizing for years. So that's about the best yep. I can, you know, examine it. And, it, 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 and, and, and isn't it interesting the spot it's put the media and the establishment it's they're in a spot now all where the we're crap so divided where we, you would think the one topic we could all agree on is child trafficking, especially the liberals where everything is, it's for the children, for the children, for the children. This is the ultimate movie. It's all cracking. They, one of the things and they, and they're, they're squirming, you know I mean? What does that tell you? I mean, it says, well, I tell you, to- you know, the Dylan will, what's her, his face, Bud Light <laughs> guy, girl, something, you know, they, um, said that uh, Dylan said they're going, uh, moving out of the country or something. I, I don't know what the hell. Peru. No, I, I, he just, he's on vacation in Peru. He's, yeah, whatever. he's but, taking a break. But the um, uh, Bud Light is now not being restocked. Whatever is there is done and over for Costco. Costco yep. bulk pallet of kind of big Anheuser Busch has well you know it's 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 a dead brand you know they're done so I'm I you know so I I yeah I it's 
it, it, it was crap beer anyway. I was never a Bud Light fan to begin with. But it is um, uh, it was such a colossal mistake on their part. But what did we do? We trained them what to do, not to do, how far to go, what not. It's all part of their, their algorithm of artificial intelligence of how they're going to bullshit us next time. You know, so I'm, I, okay, you know, I, whatever. You know, we need to be much more mature as, and reach our capacity as human beings. You know, that we, our, our goal is to procreate, raise the next generation to be self-sufficient and resilient to these kinds of things to do. We have not been doing our job as human beings because we've been taken advantage of our compassion, our love, our goodness, our tolerance. You know, all the things that make humans social creatures is what's been weaponized against us. And what's held it off has been the male patriarchy, you know, protect my family, home and hearth, children kind of thing. Oh, no, you're not allowed to, you know, do that. that that's vigilanteism or whatever. you got to get a, you know, a government agent to do it for you and a permit, you know. And I'm like, wow. this, And I think that's going away uh, or certainly being recognized it should go away. Um, this opposition to strong male characters and fathers that, uh, and I remember having a guy named Glenn Sachs, I think his name was, uh, early on, you know, in the mid 2000s, I was doing Terran radio and his whole thing was, he was a, um, father that got divorced and could see how the courts were, uh, laser beamed against men. It didn't matter how jacked up crazy the woman was you know men didn't have any rights certainly when it came to their children so he really hammered on that and one of the things that he looked at was how straight white men were being portrayed in commercials and on tv and shows and this was 20 years ago he was going look i can tell you where this is going you go look at all the glenn Sachs videos and stuff that we did it was it was yeah he was on it back in yeah, I think it, yeah, it was like uh, 07, 08. It was before the Levolution that I was interviewing him and then, you know, continuing on from there. But he, to be the father to his children, he couldn't advocate publicly not complying with the courts on whether you get vaccinated, whether the school, everything. He was like, you know, he had to be a the good dad, you know, work within the system kind of crap. But what his real thing was is that the system itself is jacked up and being used to manipulate and force people into what we're seeing right now. And he was one of the early guys that was really highlighting this stuff. And every Super Bowl commercial and every, you know, television program and every, he highlighted all this stuff. And I think his name was um, Glenn Sachs. I'm pretty sure that was it. And it was, you know, he, he pegged it. You know, I, you can see it happen. So I've been seeing this. I've been aware. It's been blips on my radar screen for a long time. And to what end? To eliminate the righteous indignation, either through chemicals, manipulation, big tech, media, education, whatever it took, social credit score for your, your money spending, access to whatever, it has been to dismantle the family unit 
They mail, hell, welfare, the black communities, all that stuff to dismantle the uh, influence that men have on the protection of their family, their friends, their community, their neighbors, their country. That has been a surgical strike, and it shows just how effective it's been. And this Marxist, you know, um, ideology and methods we were warned was what they were going to use, and here it is. You know, G. Edward Griffin was really big on this. John Taylor Gatto was big on this. You know, we've had, you know, XKGB guys telling us what they're doing. This has been a thing. Reagan was good on this stuff. You know, what needed to happen. So now that we've seen it and you have uh, the Internet now, and that's why I'm so big on the documentation, the preservation of data, so that we don't have to keep relearning this stuff all the time. And it is, you, you watch this, 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 and this Corbett report documentary this 23-hour podcast thing of richard grove you know this subscription to freedom's phoenix you know this you know you know occupy the land kind of thing. i mean you know this experience with the revolution this i mean you know it's like duh you know it's duh 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 duh, duh. so now we have the opportunity to share like what we're doing on this show with enough people that they have resources for themselves Generation Next, and the justification for using their own critical thinking skills. That's what's coming. And it's going to bifurcate into they, them, those that just want to be told what to do and lazy, whatever the hell, and those, no, I'm good, and it's going to be a battle, and it's probably going to come down to blood. I I don't see how it's avoided. It's going to be death, dying, and destruction, and enlightenment will follow, I hope. And that's what I'm counting on. So it's great spending time with Dr. Frank, and we just yak about this, and this is stuff that, you know, we share with you. And over the years, it's been neon flashing. Trump report was right. You know, it's not, it's not even about Trump. I don't even know what else we'd call it, but, you know, tyranny report or whatever. But it's, it started off the Trump report, not so much Trump, but the attack on MAGA, the attack on the people that supported Trump, they weren't after him. They were after the people, the mindset, the support of this uh, individualism, you know, this, this not being told what to do all the time. And if you're going to have a government, the focus should be, you know, their people. Well, that wasn't the focus. We were, you know, cannon fodder. We were the tools. We were the, you know, the, the serfs. So this is becoming common knowledge. It has a uh, a play in the future. I don't know exactly what, but I know what I'm doing. You have to declare your independence. You have to be independent so you're not dependent. And everything that we do is working towards that end. And Dr. Frank helps by giving me every opportunity to say you're still voting. You know, so <laughs> that works. <laughs> Hey, I think it's still it's still possible. I tell you, I'm, I'll I'll assist you in voting just to put that little thing for the T for Trump. Uh, that that's my goal. You know my what it shows, though. Voting. It shows that I voted. I got another year. I got another year to work. It shows on that I shit. voted. Hey, we see here that you voted. I go well. I kind of voted. I was disabled. I need help. <laughs> I just want Ernie to proudly put that little sticker I voted today on him. Just, oh, yeah, I voted. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, the sacrifices I make for Frank. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Peace. See ya. Bye. 
Yeah, Frank and I have a lot of fun. But uh, you can get the whole show over at Declare Your Independence with ErnestHancock.com or easier to remember, FreedomsPhoenix.com. Freedom with an S, Phoenix spelled out, P-H-O-E-N-I-X.com. And sign up for the email dispatch. Join us. The top center of FreedomsPhoenix.com. Really easy to do, and it's free. Pace. Some things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupinerealestate.com